May my friends and family witness this act, an irrevocable promise to my commitment that... Fuck it. I promise not to touch this shit ever again. Okay. Let's play cold turkey. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. I don't know if you'd noticed this, but, but nothing has been fine. Everything's been getting worse every second. David, Mia's about to go through the worst three days of her life. Okay, withdrawal's gonna make her experience extreme body pain, vomiting, chills, paranoia. It's not gonna be nice. I, um, I, I gave her a sedative, so she should be out for a couple of hours. are serious, like second, third degree. This is so wrong. Well, nobody could have known she would do something so twisted. No, you should have known. We've all been following your lead since we got here. It's me. It's, um, what the fuck? My mic is so loud. Hold on, you guys. Holy shit. What the fuck is going on here? Oh. Oh, output. There we go. I fixed it. <laughs> well, what's up, you guys? So, check this shit out. Um, I'm still on weekend pass. Well, when, during the, the time I recorded this, I'm on my last day of my weekend pass, so... In a few short hours, I'll be driving back to rehab, and um, yeah, it'll be fun times back to program. Uh, you know, part of me doesn't want to go. Part of me is dying to get back there. Uh, it's just weird. Um, my sister spent some time with me for, well, she came over for her, her we celebrated her birthday, and that, it was super awkward for me because... You know, my mom is a recovering alcoholic, and she hasn't had a drink in, like, a very long time, like, well over 20 years, maybe 30 by now. She quit cigarettes cold turkey. So, um, my mom kind of understands, uh, for the most part, uh, addiction and alcoholism. But, you know, my dad and the rest of my family, they're not, um, quote-unquote, afflicted. So, 
they were all having glasses of wine and you know usually alcohol doesn't trigger me I was and, and I wouldn't even say I was triggered it was just I felt kind of awkward semi uncomfortable because it's like I could smell alcohol and they're enjoying alcohol and I'm, it's not like I'm like oh I'm seeing a, a, a drink that makes me want to do heroin it's not that at all it was just like it was just it was strange I guess so I ended up uh, sneaking on my phone and messaging some of my recovery peeps and getting out of my head a little bit uh, but I mean you know God bless my family that's not afflicted um, they're they're fortunate for that. It just I, I I don't know if they realize the ins and outs of early recovery. Um, I I already know I can't ever have a drink again. And it's not even like I enjoyed alcohol after twenty one. It became so unattractive, and black market narcotics became my my fascination. But so I just did that, and then uh, you know uh, today uh, my sister was like, "Oh, I forgot your birthday present." So. She took me over to Zoomies. I got some offensive t-shirts, so big ups to my big sis. Um, good looking out on <laughs> offensive shirts. So anyway, I've been I've just been knocking out podcasts like as many as possible. I got a shit ton done. So uh, lucky, lucky you all, brethren and sestren of our squad. You guys get some better, decent quality audio. Uh, you know, that portable mic, it was... It, it's good, but it's not as good as my illustrious uh, Blue Yeti here. It's kissing me in my face. Um, so anyway, I'm going to play a very old recording. Um, one I did uh, before, like a few weeks before I went into rehab. So um, with that being said, I want to just give uh, a notorious trigger warning. Uh, because um, I'm like 99.9% sure that, uh, you know, both myself and my, um, my, my guest who I did the phone interview with were loaded during the interview. I don't think I cop or admit to it, but uh, um, I was, I was with what we call tray loaded on intravenous goofballs. And uh, for anyone that's, you know, a few people have been asking me, like, what's a goofball? Well, that is a shot of methamphetamine and heroin mixed together. <laughs> I think I had gotten the ratio just right because this is a long fucking uh, interview. I had to split it up in two parts because it was like four and a half, five hours. And uh, just so you guys know, um, listen to the sound of my voice now, sober and compare and contrast it to how my voice sounds in this phone interview because I think anyone could probably tell I was loaded because it's like when I do opiates or when I do heroin I get that little kind of like junky groggy voice <laughs> like Kermit the Frog almost I guess I don't know so yeah I was I was loaded in this interview so trigger warning for that uh, what an, uh, a couple of things I want to say is um, my the guest I have on um, we'll call him Nico he's the host of another uh, you know um, drug eccentric podcast that's called thoughts of a relapsing drug addict um, I've been on his podcast like four times and um, it, I always had a, a lot of fun being on it you know I, I've been 
I've been loaded on it. I've been clean on it. And uh, I did a rec- uh, episode with them right before I go into rehab. And I'll, uh, you know, I can't wait to come on his podcast again. And I can't wait to have him on my podcast again because, um, you know, it's not easy to talk about this. But uh, while I was in rehab, I was talking with him. And um, unfortunately, uh, he, you know, he uh, was with his, his, I believe, his girlfriend. And... uh, I, I'm not sure on, on the exact specifics or the exact details, but, uh, she, I know that for sure she had relapsed, possibly him too, and then, um, and then what basically happened was, uh, um, they, they went to bed and, uh, went to sleep. And then in the next morning, when he woke up, when he woke up, he found her uh, dead from an overdose. Which, you know, I can't fucking imagine um, how traumatizing, how scary that would be for anybody. Um, you know, uh, and he's been kind of going through it. Uh, it's he's it's been very hard and challenging for him which is completely understandable and my heart goes out to Nico and, um, you know, I I feel for him because, you know, uh, finding anyone dead from an overdose is, 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 is traumatizing enough, but, you know, someone you were, you loved and cared about and felt like a connection with, or felt like that was your soulmate and, you know, have a, a, a night with them and you fall asleep with them in your arms and then you wake up and they're, to find them dead, uh, dead from an overdose. It's just, fuck, dude. I can only imagine how horrible that is and how how sh- fucking just shitty he feels right now and what it has been going on inside of him emotionally. So, um, you know, uh, if you guys uh, are familiar with Nico and his podcast, um, Thoughts of a Relapsing Drug Addict, you know, and... Um, enjoy his podcast or, or, or anything, or if you just want to reach out to him and show him some support and love, I, I highly encourage and, and would say, Hey, go, go send him some, some good vibes. Cause he's really going through. I mean, he, he, um, he's been doing a lot better, but it's like, still like, that's a fucking, it's fucked, dude. It's so fucked up. So, um, I just wanted to update people with that. Uh, this recording was done much, much prior, like weeks or not months prior to that event happening. And I plan on having him back on the podcast to uh, talk about it uh, in, in more detail or, or tell it in his through his perspective um, uh, when I go on my next weekend pass. Or, uh, you know, I've been just so insanely busy getting old episodes mixed down and edited and um I did a few new ones and then getting the recordings from the house over here and transferred and and all all packaged for you guys has just kind of consumed all my time and Nico uh if you're listening to this you know I love you brother and I always have your back and I'm here for you you know in any way a friend could be and um you know I'm I just want you to stay safe and stay strong out there uh 
and uh, we will get you back on Nod Squad um, as soon as possible. One last thing is um, we did this recording. There's a, see, if, I've had a lot of people contact me lately, like that have just discovered our podcast and have been like, "Oh, I want to come on the podcast," and yeah, that's awesome. I want to get people on the podcast. Uh, so there's a number of ways we can do that. Um, you know, I used to just put my phone on speaker and record it, and it sounded terrible. So I don't do that anymore. But the the most popular way we have guests come on uh, the podcast to do phone interviews is Skype. I can capture the audio on Skype fairly well. Uh, we all, there's also a Nod Squad Discord, uh, which I'm sure has just been completely dead as of late, uh, and I haven't really shouted it out. But and anyone who's not familiar with Discord, it's fucking awesome. It's kind of like Skype. It's kind of like a forum for posting, but it's also got group chat and group video chat, and uh, you do, can do group live streams for gaming, and it is fucking awesome. But we, if like, there's been times when I've had multiple people come on the podcast, and they're all in different locations scattered across the globe, and they can all just meet at one spot, and I can capture the audio on that fairly well too. Um, I usually use Discord just for uh, uh, doing uh, group chat um, recordings. Um, I do Skype for one-on-ones, but I can also sync my iPhone to my MacBook Pro, and you know we can talk on um, and record on that. Uh, what other ways can I do it? Fuck, I think. Um, maybe even Facebook Messenger I can do, but those the, those are oh and uh, we also have a uh, uh, our podcast is available on the app Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, um, it's an app for streaming podcasts. It's for making your own podcast. If you only have a phone and want to start podcasting, you can use Anchor to just do that. And they have like a cool way to do. Uh, one-on-one phone interviews and capture the audio that way. I usually don't use Anchor because the audio quality is not as good as um, Skype or Discord. Um, And you know what, even like direct phone calls that I capture when I sync my phone, it's usually I have to do a lot of uh, editing of the uh, volume levels. So, you know, uh, I think Skype is usually the best and uh, the best quality audio means to do that. So, um... We're, you know, oh, and you know what? One other thing. Uh, if anyone out there is listening and has a fucking awesome story they want to send in, I'll play it. Uh, usually the best way is to just get your your uh, phone and there's usually a, a mic recording or audio recording app already, you know, that comes on um, with it stock and you can just record the audio and then attach it to an email and send it to nodsquadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and then, you know, if you email us uh, an attachment with an audio file, I'll listen to it and I'll play it on the podcast, you know. Uh, or if you just want to send us a letter, I will um, I'll read your, your email. I'm going to start reading our iTunes reviews. I, I should be doing that. <laughs> this is kind of difficult when you don't have a fucking phone. <laughs> But uh, or a computer, but I'll start doing that. But yeah, send us an email. I'll read it. Send us a, a recording telling a story. I'll play that. Um, you know, Squadron, we need to have a sit down, one on one conversation from me to you. 
uh, my self-seeking and self-validating ways would love some more emails, <laughs> you know, come on, get on that. But, uh, you know, oh, Alexandra, um, I'm going to read your email ASAP uh, the next time I get up here. Um, hope you're doing good. Uh, what else did I want to say? Fuck. I think that's it. Uh, oh, Patrick uh, from Switzerland. I'm uh, going to try and get your uh, recording we did with you uh, edited and uploaded as soon as possible. Uh, Patrick is my good friend from Switzerland, and he talks about you know harm reduction and drug policies within his uh, country slash native land. Um, I think that's it, you guys. So, you know, I got to fucking uh, finish editing. I only have a few hours left before I got to head back, but... You know, just just so you guys know, I'm doing good. Um, rehab's been amazing. It's the it's. I'm so glad I chose this one to go to. It's fucking awesome. Uh, I'm learning so much about myself, and hopefully, people can tell by listening to these episodes that I'm growing. Um, oh, and just another reminder. Yeah, trigger warning on this episode. You know, uh, I was definitely loaded, and so I don't want to trigger anybody. Uh, so, I mean, if you ever are triggered, uh, I'll try to give a trigger warning at the intros of these, just so you could be like, oh, f- fuck, I don't want to listen to that. You can turn it off. You know, um, I don't want to, I want to give people a heads up, but also have content out there for people who, who want that sort of thing, who aren't triggered by it. So, um, that's pretty much all I got you guys. I got to finish this and, uh, uh, throw it up there and edit a bunch of recordings I did from the house. So I hope you all are all having a great Labor Day weekend because that's, you know, Labor Day is the day I'm recording this. Uh, I'm not sure when I'll have it up. Um, it, it's a really long one. We were fucking loaded and we just kept talking all night, all the fucking night long. So yeah, I hope you're all doing good. You know, if you're ever struggling, with anything, you can reach out to me. I've had a few people contact me about issues with their children or uh, issues they themselves are having. And uh, um, I'm more than happy to, to listen and to give feedback or input or, you know, anything I can to help. Um, so with that, uh, I'm out of here, you guys. I love you all dearly. Um, uh, thank you to everyone in the Dopey Nation who's still, you know, in contact with me. Um, you know, I've never really got into the details of, of, you know, my, uh, of everything that happened right before I went to rehab, but it's not insanely important, but, you know, who knows, maybe I'll, I'll talk about that and talk about how I realized everything that I lost in, in my last relapse was, was my fault and my cause and, uh, talk about how I'm trying to make amends to, you know, people in the dopey nation and, and, um, who, uh, had to see, had to like kind of witness, uh, my, my fucking, uh, what's the right word, you know, my dematerialization. <laughs> Cause I, I, you know, like, uh, Catherine, I love you, Catherine. I'm sorry. I leaned on you so hard when I was struggling and I, I know you seeing me how I was, uh, towards the end of my run was, was hard on you. And, you know, I'm, I, I, that I'm, I'm sorry that, that, you know, I affected you in that way. Uh, shout outs to everyone in the Dove B Nation, you know, um, but all the, both the Colleen's, I love you both. Uh, thank you guys so much for reaching out to me. Uh, Justin, 
uh, over in England. Uh, love you, man. I'm I'm uh, gonna kick your ass at knife party or knife fight or whatever the fuck that game is. And um, you know, I'm gonna maintain my basketball high score. And uh, you know, Hot Wheels, I miss you, man. Um, uh, you know, Jeremy, I hope you're doing good out there. Um, everyone in the Dopey Nation, I miss you guys all. And um, you know, I, I need to to make I need to find a way to make an amends to all of you for for uh, just how shot out I, I got, uh, and for you all having to see my how fucking horrible I was. But anyway, with that, I, um, I'm gonna wrap this up. So, you know, I love you guys all out there, and I hope you're all doing well. And uh, you know, just stay safe. I, why do I keep saying safe? Because strong comes after. Stay safe, stay strong, and as always, peace, love, and all the above. I've just now been able to like, like, not necessarily expunge all my convictions, but get them off of my record, you know, so that if I apply for a job, they're not there. I mean, I'm sure if a cop looked up my background, they would see it, but they would also see that they're not like still standing on my record. Like, yeah, I got I got to do that because, uh, I escaped by my FBI check for, um, my security guard thing for this mm -hmm. year but I'll have to do it in November. Uh-huh. So I got to make sure that I get all my shit expunged by November cuz otherwise I might have to find a new job after doing this for so many years. Um do you have you looked into what you would have to do to get your shit off your record? Um I'm not that far yet. I'm still I'm figuring I'm still working right now. I'm doing the final shit to be off probation in Oakland. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm done. I just got to talk to my lawyer and like probably like sign some shit, but yeah, yeah. Get your, get yourself put on calendar in court and, you know, present yourself to the judge and district attorney on what you would have I don't to do. Even to think do I, I don't even think I have to do that. Yeah. You might not because, you might not because it's to. already been the five year, you know, it's been like six years and I kind of forgot about it for a little while. So it's like yeah. way past the time. It it's just confusing because you're you have convictions in other states and you you're living in a different state than where you had gotten. I tell well, I right? technically was never supposed to leave California. Yeah, but because California because California doesn't talk to anyone, it doesn't really matter because they don't really communicate with other states. They so. barely communicate within the counties within the state. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So that's that's what sa that's what saves me. Yeah, probation departments and and drug like like court ordered drug programs, they don't communicate outside of the counties barely ever. Well, and what really helped me too is the fact that I'm a small drug offense in one of the most violent cities in the country. In Oakland? So, yeah. So, Oakland's fucking scary, dude. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like that's where I did my time was Oakland, was Santa Rita. I, yeah, it's it's six months in Santa Rita. Holy shit! And, uh, I mean, that must because have been I crazy. I mean, it was, but it was also like 
they treated me well because I was a high level drug offender for like, I got caught with a bunch of weight. Yeah. So they all wanted to be my friend. Yeah, they so wanted to get connections. Yeah, yeah. So when I so I'd hook them up on the outs or whatever. So they were nice. you know like I had a few scuffles, but nothing nothing too bad. Was there like heavy politics going on in there? There must oh, be. Oh yeah. Oh my god, it's totally fucking gang control. Oh for sure. Like yeah. Mike the Mexican gang control. Like I did. The only time I almost got in a fight, I pretty much had to stand up to like the entire Norteño pod. Oh, Jesus. And I almost got jumped for trying to use the phone. What, just, what, why was it like not like well, a phone the um, woods could use or something? Yeah, I mean, they, like they had each phone was for a different group. You yeah, know, like the white segregated phones. Even. Yeah, Jesus and, and the white phone was broken, so we had to use everyone else's phone. That and must then, have been a nightmare. Oh, it was terrible. And then my cellmate, his uh, he was one of the shot callers from the Norteños, and he's like, you can use our phone. Yeah. So as soon as we got pod time, I went out and went straight to the phone, but he hadn't told everyone else. Yet. Oh, fuck. So I'm getting eyeballed super hard when I walk to the phone, and then as soon as I get to the phone, this one dude's like, don't pick that up. And what did my little smart ass do? I picked it up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then they start, they start, you know, pumping, pumping, puffing chests. Yeah. And uh, yep. then he comes up and stops it before I got fucking beat down by like 20. Fuck. Luckily, like when I was in um, Twin Towers in L.A. County Jail, like, it, I mean, it was heavy politics. Like, don't get me wrong, but I was in one of the best pods like I could have asked for. It was... They, they, the, the corrections officers deemed our pod, it was like 262 or 626 C pod or whatever. Cause they, they name like every digits either for like the floor, what wing, uh, of the, mm-hmm. of the floor it's on and then which tower, I guess. Um, so I guess it was 262 cause we were on like six, sixth floor and it was like, yeah, uh, whatever. C and there's like a through f or whatever yeah i was i was in b pod oh when you were in uh, oakland yeah in oakland yeah okay this is probably almost the same layout but um yeah we weren't we weren't tall like that we were we were just like two floors yeah well apparently they're building a fucking whole new twin towers jail and they're gonna make the old twin tower jail in la uh all jcat fucking jail oh, damn. <laughs> yeah and for those that don't know i guess the best way to describe a jcat is just like a heavily psych medicated individual like yeah they it, they have a uh, different color uh inmate garments for different types of inmates like if you're just floating around and probably going to get sent to wayside which wayside was like a, another jail that was just way fucking rougher uh, they would put you in dark blues. If you're a trustee, it was like light green, uh, inmate garments. And then J cats had a yellow tops, blue bottoms. I think high, red, high, red is probably high uh, power, like high yeah. power, um, like gang leaders kind of thing. And then, um, the fucking uh, homosexuals and transgenders and whatnot were in baby blues. Really? They, were, they, they fucking classified them different too? Yeah. Well, they had to segregate them away because like, I mean, if they were in general pop with everyone else, they would have gotten, who knows what kind of fucking, you know, 
fucking drama would have happened, you know? That's, like, yeah, that, yeah. I didn't know they segregated that out. Oh yeah, I remember. Like, cause like, and then like, cause like when I had gone done heavy time there, I, I, this was my, that was my first time doing heavy time. Every other time I just bailed myself out and mm-hmm. they put me on probation or whatever, you know? But, uh, so this was like my, like I was still fresh and didn't know much about politics in, within the jail. And I was just like some white kid, like learning my way. I mean, I was dope sick fucking the first two weeks, you know? Like before, yeah. I, before I had turned myself in, I fucking took the metro down to Skid Row, and copped some black before, you know, and then made my way back to the hotel I had in Pasadena, and just fucking got loaded the night before I had to turn myself in, and then fuck turning myself in, and then the whole process of getting fucking housed and like booked in, it was just took fucking forever, dude. It was nightmare. oh yeah, I mean I I'd say. Yeah, I'd say it probably took me a day to get into Gen Pop after I turned oh, myself in. Horrible. And then we sat in like the, like the, I guess Holding. some sort of like waiting, yeah, like a waiting room. Like after you're done, like after intake, yeah, you go into this other room, which is where when you get out, they give you your clothes back. Oh yeah, and everything because yeah, yeah. it's all like a group process. Oh yeah, it's because it's not like sing because it's so crowded. You know, they do like mm-hmm. twenty or thirty at a time. Yep. So yep. we we had to I had to wait in the fucking the holding cell under the fucking court house forever for the, everyone else to deal with court shit, and then they I fucking remember, shackled yeah, I, us. I had to do that too, yeah. and everyone was, and no one believed me. Whenever they, I said I didn't smuggle drugs in, <laughs> they were like, what'd you bring? What'd you bring? I was like, I didn't bring shit. They're like, we don't believe you. Oh, man. But if you did, you know how much money you'd make? That shit marks up like 500% at least. Dude. Oh, yeah. Like, like right insane. after that. And, and like with how little they searched me, I was like, damn, I should have at least brought some bars in. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I mean, um, like... I mean, I, I never really thought to, but if I, if I was smart, I could have smuggled in like, and in San Luis County jail, they do, they, their little body scanner, it's fucking doesn't work for shit. I mean, it'll detect metal like in your body, but that's about it. Like the, the airport here in San Luis donated their body scanner to the jail (laughs) because it was broken. So like people would smuggle shit in left and right. I mean, if you want just, if you, if you know you're not going to have commissary and you want coffee forever, you just fucking bring something in for all these fucking people who are heavy timing it. And they'd fucking, the only thing I could get in there though, besides, um, buying people's prescriptions from them uh-huh. was, uh, and there's actually even a documentary that like discovery channel or something did about Santa Rita and oh, how bad the fuck. meth problem is inside. Oh yeah. Like the, and happy on, as on happy cards, right? Were they on happy cards or was it just ice, like straight ice? Yeah. And it was just fucking, that just sounds like the worst time in the world to me. Just just fucking being fucking tweaked out as fuck. Just like not being able to do anything. I did speed three times in that, in LA County jail. And it was just pure ice smuggled in. And, uh, I played a lot of rummy, wrote a lot of letters, read a lot of books, just cleaned my fucking, my bunk. And I cleaned the fucking <laughs> wood, like the whole little, uh, area that the woods were in, in the yeah. fucking trustee dorm was called the wood pile. Um, 
I mean, the thing is, whether you like it or not, it's race segregated, and those are the oh, rules. For sure. And oh, for sure. whether you're whether you have whatever your opinions are about about race or racism or it don't matter. Or, it don't matter. Like you have to follow the rules there, or I mean, you get you get boobopped basically, you know, and uh, that's just the way, the way of what it is, you know. Um, it's it's fucked, but it's just like. You got you follow the fucking rules, and if you don't follow the rules, there's a punishment system for it. You know. Yeah, keep your head down and fucking don't don't cause waves. Really. I mean, yeah. Basically, if as long as you don't fucking snitch and you don't uh you don't snitch, you don't steal, and you don't like lie, and you don't disrespect like blatantly disrespect people like. Then you're gonna be fine, you know. Yeah, and and you yeah, pay off your you and don't... you pay your debts. Like that's that's base. And then follow the basic rules of whatever politics. Like you know, there were certain ways to this like these because uh, the trustee dorm was was uh, two two floors. There was the lower floor, and then there were stairs that led to the upper floor, and the woods. Okay. The woods or the whites, I guess woods wood is short for pecker wood or something. <laughs> so the woods were at the at the upper tier, and then the south siders were uh, to the right of the wood pile, and the woods had a uh, an alliance with the south siders. So if shit popped off, you know the woods and the south siders would team up if there was like some crazy race riot going on, you know. So yeah. we we're tight with the south siders, and then. Uh, the the blacks and the I guess they called them the Pisces were Spanish yeah, speak yeah. Spanish speaking only, you know I don't yeah. know if that's a not a PC term but no I mean that that's a pretty universal jail term I mean that's and but that's what they they're referred to as in jail like I mean I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. not proper on the outs that was the, but, that was the first time I'd ever heard it was uh, in Santa Rita and I'd been to jail other places but. Uh, first time I heard it was in California jail. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, dude, when I fucking rolled my bunk in, uh, ro- came in the dorm with my bunk, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty close to kicking, and someone was like, you know, what, what are you like? Are you a, are you a fucking, are you like? They did, they had literally had the nerve to ask me if I was white or if I was like, I was like, dude, I mean, I guess because my way my mustache grows in or something, they thought I might have been a. Southsider or something, and I was like, I was like, what? I didn't even know what they were asking me. I was like, dude, I've yeah. been, I haven't been to jail before. I was like, dude, I'm I'm white, I guess. And they're like, oh, well, you go up there, and you know, each race is segregated, and each race has what's called as a ref or a rep, a rep. Yeah, and the rep is like the leader of the race of that pod, and then the and rep see, like, has I, like I a shoved right. the white people on the first day. You sh- you did what yeah. now? Like they, like I walked in and like they did, you know, they checked all my tats and everything. So I got a bunch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then the white dudes were like, yeah, your bunk's right here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to go to that one back there. <laughs> and I went and they're like, what, you're going to the black hole? Oh no. And I, and I was like, I'm more comfortable with them than I am y'all. Oh. And they were like, it's like that, huh? Uh oh. Um, hold on a second. Sure. What's up? So, I mean, did they jump you out and then jump you in <laughs> or something to 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 move uh, there? Or? No, no. I mean, it was just uh, I. They it basically like I couldn't really talk to them anymore, except I had to sit with them at mealtime. Oh wow, that must have been awkward as fuck. It was hella fucking awkward. 
See, like we had an issue like that in the pod next to ours where there was this white kid who was like a blood on the outs. So he was wanting to roll with the, with the blacks. But in order for him to do that, he had to get jumped in by the blacks. So yeah, they, so they, they, yeah, they didn't jump me in. Oh, I hung out yeah. with the blacks and the others. Oh yeah, and others would be like you know I guess Asians and Asians. Koreans and um and like I guess a, 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 you know like a lot of races that are in a smaller population yeah. in jail, but yeah, usually they would roll with the blacks. I guess if they're called the yeah, others. Yeah, the others were more affiliated with the blacks than anyone. And I mean, my first night in though, this is how I knew I was going to be all good. My first night in, I got offered into the spread. Oh, you got spread? Nice. Yeah, before, before I even had commissary, they were just like, you know, like a few different people were just like all giving me random shit and they're like, just hit us nice. back next week. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, like spread is so, I mean, like we would have spread in in LA, we'd have spread every Friday because that's See, we did, the day. See, we did it every night. Oh, did you? Oh, that's and, and our, shit. Well, we, at least in our cell, we did it every night between, there's like five of us. Yeah. And we would just all put in two ramens and like whatever meat and cheese and blah blah blah, and make these burritos. Oh yeah, spread burritos are bomb. Like yeah. you get two and tortillas and put them in a and you bag. You put them in a cup. Yeah, you See, put, you like in a cup. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. That we just, did the that same gives thing. It form. Yeah. Yeah, and then you you I add the ramen like and you put the ramen in dry and then you add enough hot water to like get it cooked inside the burrito. Yep. And then you, and you like add whatever, like hot Cheetos yeah, hot Cheetos. We'd make jerky uh, and whatever. We'd get those uh, with Cheez Its crackers and we'd mash it up and make like a cheese sauce out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we got I got fucking gnarly with spread, but every Friday we'd get commissary, so we'd fucking um, or it was every other Friday or something like that. So whenever we got commissary and we'd have a spread and uh. Yeah, it was fucking bomb. Usually we would make a big spread and we'd save our, our bread from lunches or any extra uh-huh. breads we'd get and then we'd make spread sandwiches. But we'd also make spread burritos if it was someone's birthday. I'd you know, I had I had a lot of money on my books, so um I was re- I mean, everyone loved me. Yeah, and, I, and, I, I yeah. pretty good commissary account. Yeah, and uh what was crazy about our pod, it was um our pod was like the party pod. Like all the drugs that would come through came to our pod because they knew we would want them, and mm-hmm. uh, it was nuts. Like I, uh, I fucking I did I smoked weed if like three or four times in there. And we'd smoke a lot of tobacco in there. I don't know how we got so much tobacco in there, but uh, you know um, we'd get tobacco. We'd I'd smoked weed a few times, but it made me we super drank paranoid. A bunch. Pruno. Yeah, like we get, we actually got. Um, they found a ten-pound bag. We had trash bag. Like two, day, like two days before it was done, too. See, yeah, see, Pruno making Pruno is a fine art, and it's like still really people is. either have it or they don't. And there was two types of Pruno we'd have. There was either the type of Pruno they'd make with uh, the orange juice we'd get for our lunches. Mm-hmm. Or there was this other Pruno that people made that was called the White Lightning, and that was made with hand sanitizer and whew, that okay, shit was I, I fucking, <laughs> fucking harsh. I wasn't really a big alcohol drinker because I mean, I was getting dude. Yeah, I, I just it. I just did it because it was something that changed my head. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I was able to change my head in other ways. So I was like not the biggest Pruno fan of Pruno, but um, I mean, we made uh, we made homemade lean one time. Oh, how would you make it? Because we made, I made mine a certain way. 
because this one kid was getting he got uh four coding four coding pills a day oh nice. he saved him he saved him up for a week no and so we crushed all them up yeah and then we put a few sleeping pills and random other pills in there and then we um mixed it with sprite yep grape grape jelly um some sugar Um, I just not a fan and a few of other things, there. and then we just, like let it sit for a day. Oh, and then God. we put and then we poured that into more sprite, nice. you know, into fresh sprite. And I mean, I got faded for sure. That was the that was the most fucked up I got the whole time I was there. Oh man, yeah, I will. It was great because for some reason they they offered me a trustee position, and at the time I was like kicking so i was like dude i don't really want to work but then i was like fuck it dude i'll get some you know time knocked off my sentence and i got trusty one time and they didn't realize i was such a short timer because i was doing like three weeks yeah and they didn't even give me a job so i literally sat in the pot all day long and watched tv oh fuck everyone was so pissed at me everyone hated me so much they're like this bullshit you don't have to do anything like I'm just doing what I'm told. Well, the thing is, is like it's it's better to do whatever job you have because yeah. then you could make connections with people in other pods, and then you can get, you know, contraband in other areas that you couldn't normally get. Just sitting it at your pod by yourself. Time too. Oh, it helps pass the time way better. My you first get trusty food, job I found because the guards yeah. would bring you treats and shit. Yeah. Well, certain jobs you got better food at least in L.A. Like the, my first yeah. trusty job was fucking horrible, which is was serving food to another. See, party, I always, I always, I always figured that the kitchen always got the best shit. The kitchen usually does. Uh, um. And, you know, my first trusty job I hated because you didn't get any better food and it was fucked because, you know, like you're serving food. The way they did it in L.A. County is that they have these giant fucking totes and you just scoop like a scoop of whatever whatever food was in there and put it on the tray. It wasn't like pre-served or anything like so I would just so you had to like size up like amounts so each fucking pod got enough food for everybody Mm -hmm. but then there would be people you know inmates would try to pull shit and try to get two trays and and shit like that or they would get mad if you didn't serve them a big enough scoop and you know they would threaten to gas you which gassing is like you know they fucking get an empty milk carton or whatever and they fill it up with piss and they try to splash the (laughs) piss on you and i never got (laughs) gassed but i saw a couple people get gassed and it was just like fuck that dude so i quickly was uh the my rep's right hand man was this juggalo named uh fuck what was his name it's like chris or something and he was he was definitely a he was a he was like a rapper but he was a juggalo rapper and uh, if anyone doesn't know a juggalo is fucking fan of the insane clown posse which is not a type of music i listen to uh would never choose to listen to that music but he was you know juggalos are pretty solid people i mean they're yeah, just, no, Juggalos really are pretty solid. People. They're pretty solid. I'm not gonna lie. And he was a solid ass homie. I mean, he's just he listens to some music I don't find like of any quality, you know. But I'm not gonna judge. There's a lot of people listen to music that I don't, I wouldn't listen to, but they're solid homies. And in jail, he was super solid. But he was like, yeah, he was like, dude, he was like, put in a, a request to do fifth floor cleanup, and fifth floor cleanup was like more of a max part of the jail. 
You know, they don't really let them out of their cell ever. Maybe once or twice. It was, and uh, but they were beta testing all these fucking psych meds and all these other meds on them. So that was the place to go because we would clean out their cell. You know, and uh, like, dude, we'd find all kinds of fucking pills. Like, I, I, oh, sure. and we, we would smuggle pills back, like left and right. And you know, some of the people in there, you know, on fl- the fl- fifth floor that we were cleaning up, a lot of their commissary choices were limited, so they didn't get as much choices for commissary as we did. So they would always want to trade for Sarah Quills or whatever. And my, the, the rep for the woods, he liked Sarah Quills. So I kept him happy by bringing him Sarah Quills fucking regularly. You know? I'll never forget. There was this one, uh, and the first time I ever went to jail, I was doing like a month when I was like 18. Yeah. Some tweaker traded me his sleeping pill. Was and it was Seroquel the... or Cyprexa? No, or... it was one I've never seen before. Hmm. And he was like, you better eat it. And like, I lived on the second floor. He's like, you better eat this before you walk up those stairs. <laughs> you won't make it up the stairs. <laughs> and uh, like, right, but like, there was like a half hour left of pod time before before we had to go to lockdown. Yeah. And I ate it while I was playing spades. Nice. Like ten minutes later. Oof. I was like drooling on myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> it took like it took like two people to help me get up the stairs. Oh, Jesus. And then, like, they had to lift me onto my bunk. Oh, my God. And yeah, you were on the bad. upper bunk, right? Oh, yeah. That's an all bad. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. I dude. mean, like, oh, I don't remember anything after that Spades game. <laughs> I played Spades a little bit, but I was into r- Rummy was my fucking game, dude. Rummy was my card game. I always wanted to play Rummy. And, uh, I mean, we played... We played everything, but like mainly it was spades, rummy, and then some people played pinochle, but you needed two decks to play pinochle. See, we played uh, we played spades and bones. Bones, yeah, I never played bones really. Um, sometimes people would play like King's Corner, or they would play this other fucking weird game that I didn't. They, they were just like dumb, like two player, like simple card games. But I, I and pinochle like wasn't. Uh, we didn't like to play Pinochle too much because um, I think our rep, he was doing time when he was doing time in another jail. He saw someone get shanked in the neck over a Pinochle game, so Pinochle was uh, is not wasn't like the biggest. See, I seen it. You know how it's, you know how in spades you got to uh, you know make bids on how many books you get. Yeah, I've seen people. I saw people get fucked up for being bad and putting in the bids. Oh, really? People yeah, get like that they say, like they'd say they're good. Fuck. Yeah, people would like say they were good, and they didn't really know how to play. Yeah, and if you're gambling over a game and you fucking front or get caught cheating or whatever, it's going down. Like, oh, it's serious for sure. It's super serious, you know. Um, I tried not to gamble because I just didn't have any faith. We, in we my had abilities. a we had a poker game every couple of days until uh it got shut down because there was too much violence over debts and shit like that what, so what that, uh poker like texas hold'em or yeah so what would you use as chips because we would like cut up like pieces of cards and use those yeah, as chips it was, usually it was just uh like you know a little piece of paper with values yeah like yeah. you had to make your own fucking a dude yeah we um 
we never really played gam. We would gamble in other ways. We would gamble on card games, or we would gamble on football games that they that were like you know bet on teams. Or yeah. We would. Uh, one time we we had a we had two people box, and we were we gambled on who was gonna win. It was fucking crazy. Um, I remember the craziest fight I saw was so I was in a Nortenio pod. Uh-huh. And they, you know, they had Nortenio and Sereno pods, so obviously okay. they didn't keep them together. Yeah. Some kid didn't tell, he got, he like told them he wasn't in a gang or something. Oh, so they fuck. threw him in, in, in the Nortenio pod, Uh-oh. you know, just as an other or a Paisa. Yeah, yeah. And he was actually a Sereno. Oh, as soon as no. he walked in, like, I mean, they started going crazy because like someone recognized him or something. I mean, and then, and he probably had had te- like ink yeah. on him that was, and then so it got addictive. through the wire. That as soon as fucking they opened the doors for breakfast, oh, no. rush this kid, Fuck. and fucking I'm saying like 30, 40 motherfuckers just rush this kid all at once, and he's literally crawling out, like crawling to the guards, like, like smash out. Yeah, he's like, put me in isolation, put me in the ISO cell, put me in the ISO cell, just like crawling. Jesus like, Christ. Out. Did, did they send in like like SWAT like riot gear? Fucking <laughs> no, they just pulled the kid. They just pulled him out and fucking uh, that was that. Yeah, the cops were like, we're not fucking getting involved in yeah. this. Shit. <laughs> yeah, like they 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 in L.A. they they loved gearing up with their fucking you know riot gear whatever. Yeah, like I didn't. That. Um, I had that once, and it was just for like random searches. Oh yeah, and they dude, oh, I was so fucked. So. That reminds me of a time because, I mean, we tried to not have any, like, crazy fights um, yeah. in our pod because we were bringing in so much contraband in our pod. Like, they, they, uh, at one point, they had referred to our pod, or their pod was called the White House because all the high-level shot callers and the Southsiders were in there. And they eventually had to split them up and put them in different pods because they were making yeah, so we were many the, we calls were the outside. The jungle? Because we were just rowdy. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we were known, like, I mean, our pod was known, like, the Southsiders that were in our pod were, were making a lot of shot calls that were going beyond that pod. And so, yeah. and, and we had an alliance with them, so that was good, you know, good people to have an alliance with. And then... Um, the woods, the wood pile wasn't the biggest, but at one point it were a pretty good size, but we were like, you know, I mean, the, the other races wouldn't want to fuck with our, or fuck us over because, you know, like we had an alliance with the Southsiders and the Southsiders were the, were, had large numbers, you know? And, um, so, but yeah, like the, the, like pretty much all the drugs, if there were any came through our pod, which was awesome. No one just, it took a bit, like. After I'd been there a while, people would like people from different pods, like when we were in yard time and shit. People didn't understand how I wasn't getting fucked up, <laughs> like because I like shunned the white people and like I was a nobody and blah blah blah. But I was just I just became friends with the right people right at the right time. Yeah, sometimes it's and, about timing, you know. You know, just like right when I came in, you know, I just talked to the right people first. I guess I really don't know. Yeah. But it's also, like I said, I got caught with a bunch of weight, you know? So I was like, I'm not going to say I was in that upper echelon, but, like, I got respect for that. You had connections, and people wanted to work exactly. work connections through you and stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, like, I ended up doing, 
like two, like two, I ended up doing a few things with a few people um, on the outs. Um, nothing really big because none of them could really afford it. Yeah. And all of them, they, they wanted like fucking their, their 20 pounds on the front, dog. I'm like, no. On the front? 20 <laughs> pounds on the front? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. That's fucking I can get fucked, dude. I wouldn't even get one pound on the front. Like, fuck. No, I wasn't fronting any of them motherfuckers. No. They were just going to rob me as soon as they could. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny too because like, you know, everyone would be like exchanging phone numbers and shit. I never heard from any of these people at See, when I got one out. Dude, there is Except one for like dude maybe one or two. I put a few, I put I put some money on a few books after I got out uh-huh. for a few, the few of my friends that were in there for a long time. Um, I'll bet a couple of them are still in San Quentin now. Fuck. Because um, he got he got off on a fucking attempted murder. Oh, really? He ended up doing like six months. Oh, and then wow. so the judge got really mad at him. I'm sure. And then he went in for a domestic dispute. Like two years later, uh-huh. same judge gave him four years on domestic because he was just like, "Well, you got off on that murder charge." Yeah, he wants to get back so, at him somehow. Yeah, you know? and then so they were fucking him again for the same. He got caught <sighs> with like an extended clip, no gun. Oh, but extended were, clips are bad in he, California. He was, he, he was looking at like 15. Oh, my God. And like the, the attempted murder, he shot the dude in the neck and he uh, lived. I'm like, oh, you didn't mean to kill him, did you? He's like, oh, no, I meant to kill that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. He, like, was this, he was from Thailand and he like grew up in a refugee camp and they like snuck through like minefields and shit to get away. Like, Oh, wow. Like the, the Thai people in Oakland are some of the hardest fucking gangsters I've ever met. Yeah, I, I fucking can only imagine. You know what's funny, too, is uh, fucking when I would, uh, like, meet and talk to, like, MS-13 members who are usually in, like, they're so Max. Nice. They're so nice. Like, I never realized how they're, the, like, some of the nicest, coolest, like, most chill people. I mean, they'll Until fucking you get murder. On that wrong side. They'll, they'll murder. I mean, yeah, they won't, e- they won't even give you a – they won't, like – They'll just murder you straight up if they once they have the chance. But yeah. if if you do something to like like if you snitch them out or if you're known as a snitch, but like MS13, they were some of the chillest, nicest dudes I'd ever fucking met inside the jail. I was so surprised because you know you see all these documentaries, MS13, and they had MS13 tattooed on their forehead, on their face and yeah. shit. So it's like there's no uh, mixing them up with any any other gang. But they were fucking nice as fuck, dude. So, like, I would do fifth floor cleanup, and they would be like, hey, what's up? And they loved me. Be- like, everyone on fifth floor who was, like, there loved me because I – we had, um like, a, a break room that we uh, – the trustees would chill in. We had two TVs. One had a DVD player, and one was cable television. So we'd watch TMZ or whatever. And then the, the corrections officers there – would uh, pirate uh, movies and burn them on DVD for us so we could watch, like, the newest movies. We had a boom box, and I would open up the, like, the, like in each pod there's, like, a little, like, a little fucking door with, like, a water heater or some, some weird shit, and it had mm-hmm. an outlet, so I would plug in the fucking uh, the boom box, and I'd uh, blast the radio station while I was cleaning out empty cells. Because, like, you know, if, a, if someone was going to court 
or they had taken so someone to wherever and they needed a, a cell cleaned out while it was, you know, not occupied, we'd clean out the cell. I mean, and but these cells were fucking hideous. Like, I'd never seen and cleaned up more human shit in my entire life. I was going shit everywhere. Oh, dude, like, oh, I, I lucked out. The, the few times I called in sick, which I didn't know you could do, but if I would get uh, another trustee to, like, you know, cover my, my shift, um, were, were the days that, like, they'd have to clean up a shit cell. Like, I remember one, one cell, this dude literally drew whatever the fuck on every square inch of his wall of his fucking cell with his own shit. Like it was a magic marker. Like, and I was just like, God damn I, When they opened that cell, I, I, I hope I'm not around to clean it up, but it was fucked. So then like the, the, one of the craziest things I ever saw going back to the radio was the guards would play the rap station sometimes. Yeah. So we could hear it real low volume. Okay. And, uh, Whenever uh, it happened like three different times, like the Tupac song, Dear Mama. Oh, man. And when, it, when it came on, everyone, it was the only time I entire fucking pot quiet. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's just sitting there like bumping singing it. along. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> we were playing. It's a real situation. Oh, man. One time this one like fucking uppity white corrections officer got so pissed because I was listening. I was bumping the rap station for everyone and, you know, for myself while I'm cleaning out the pod. But for everyone in the pod, it was stuck in there. And Easy E came on the radio and she got so mad. She's like, easy fucking E easy fucking E. <laughs> it was some, it was probably like kind of like close to a fuck the police song, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't actually the fuck the police song, but it was just like, she, she just did not like easy E, but we got her back one day because it was so funny. Um, there was like a clogged toilet in one of someone's cell and they were like, some I don't know who someone just volunteered to fucking take the plunger to it and it stunk bad like shit and uh me and my my juggalo fucking trusty friend were like making fake like dry heave like like puke like noises like and (laughs) for some reason it triggered like some fuck something inside that fucking uppity white correction officers chicks fucking bowels because she was like she was like trustee don't don't make that noise and she like almost like ran to the bathroom to fucking throw up it was the book of class so classic but uh yeah you gotta fuck with them when you can oh dude anyway you can like it was awesome i mean i mean but the thing that was good about fifth floor cleanup is we first of all we'd get a shit ton of pills and bring them back to the fucking dorm or pod and uh but also we got better uh rations for dinner like i think it was either called odrs or idrs inmate dining rations or whatever and it was just like it was a dinner tray that was just better food and more of it like so we ate like way better because we're cleaning up human shit sometimes like we'd get in those like giant devo like tyvex suits like and have to like you know pressure wash shit off of walls and we had to deal with we had all these different chemical like cleaning chemicals one was called turbo kill and it killed like hep C and HIV on the spot like so if there was like blood or feces on the wall you'd spray turbo kill on it just so it just if there was any you know Hep C or HIV yeah. on the, on there it would you know kill it and sanitize it and then we had this other uh, chemical or this spray bottle it was called like Tropical Fresh 
And um, it was like an enzyme, and it, it got rid of all the shit smell. So, like, if there was a shitty smelling cell, we'd like they all the co- the corrections officers always stocked up on it because they don't want to smell shit. So they would have a spray it all over the place if you know it smelled. Because I mean, you know, in fi- like when you're in max, the only way they can rebel is by flooding their cell or by like I mean, I've seen people fucking smear shit on their face. I saw a guy eating his own shit in the cell. And I was just like, dude, I don't want to see that. But like, they just like, I would see people go into these max cells perfectly sane. And then three months later, they were just bonkers, batshit crazy. It was kind of fucking sad. It's the most fucked up thing that happened to me. The whole time I was inside was I read a time magazine article about, about solitaire and like Mm -hmm. the mental shit that it does. Oh yeah. for the next like three days, like I was like having the most intense anxiety attack ever that just would not go away. Yeah. Like when I'd get anxiety attacks, the only thing that would help me is Seroquel. Um, just helped me like not having it. Cause I it happened a few times and, it, and you know, sometimes it's just depressing. Like seeing how these people are fucking you treated like fucking caged animals. Like, and um, I mean, solitary confinement is proven Without a doubt, it'll, well, yeah, it'll, it will cause people to hallucinate. It'll cause people to fucking go fucking batshit crazy. Like we, as a species require human interaction. um, I'll never forget in this article, it had, uh, there was like the main focus on the article is this one dude who did like 14 years in solitaire and in his cell, where he had walked back and forth, you know, like uh-huh. it had worn down like six inches of concrete. He wore and there was it down. Like, there was like a fucking trench in his fucking cell of where he would walk back and forth. Just from walking. Yeah. Oh man, that's fucked. You know, I would see these guys fucking draw some pretty crazy artwork on their walls too. Some of them sometimes like, like oh, I mean, some they're of the stuck greatest in their freestyle own. rap I've ever heard. Like, oh yeah. It's insane. Um, like it, like there was a lot of cool people inside the jail. Like, uh, and I had a lot of fucking pills. I would stink back. Like it was fucking crazy. Uh, and it was dope too, because I mean, the thing is, is they, they would search us out. They would search us before we would, um, go back to our pod, you know, and they make a strip down and shake out our, our pants. Like they would, for the most part, they didn't like do a full, full cavity search most of the time. And they would usually just um, make us take our pants off and then put them up, hold them upside down and shake them. So if there was anything in the pockets, they would, I would obviously fall out. But what I ended up doing is I got someone who worked in the, in the hole who would clean up the cells in the hole, like the, the most solitary. And he, he snuck me some tape. He had, he wrapped some tape around like a, a bookmark or something. So I had tape. And I would, t- I would leave some tape on the inside of the crotch of my pants, of my, of my uh, you know, in- inmate clothes. So what mm-hmm. I would do is I, whatever pills I pilfered from the cells, um, I'd put in like the finger of a glove, tie it off and, you know, break, up, break it off and tie it in a knot. And then I would tape it inside of my pants. So that way, if they searched us out and I shook, shook my pants, it, they wouldn't fall out. And then I would be able to sneak back all these pills. And I mean, I, at one point, I had a huge fucking pill collection. I had Seroquils. I had booze bars. 
uh, fucking, I had Vi, I had Vivance. Um, what else? I dude, I had a Cyprexa. I had all these, and I mean, you think Seracols are gnarly? Cyprexa, I fucking would sleep for days, like miss out on fucking, like you know, meals and stuff, and wake up pissed off, like because I missed food, like, and then, um, I even got, uh, some Percocets one time, and, uh, we fucking snorted some Percocets and got fucking good, all the good. There was one time that I hate to say was there was this dope head who was in there, Mm -hmm. and he was, and he he just got put in, kicking, and they gave him two Vicodins every pill, every pill time. Yeah. I told him that if he didn't give me his Vicodins, he was fucked up. (laughs) And he did. (laughs) <laughs> Every day for the for the forty, I felt so bad though just watching him just being so sick. Yeah, but you know what I've noticed is like I've always fucking went detoxed faster in jail than on the outs. Like I dried up and sobered up way fast. Like my withdrawals went by way faster in jail for some reason, and I I got well. Like I mean, it. it I think fast. it's partially mental because you know there's no there's no there's no help. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. And like, there really wasn't any, any heroin in that jail. And the one time it came through, it was so ridiculously outrageously expensive. I was like, I'm not fucking trading my fucking store for that, that much for that little fuck that. And I the, tried to get it the whole time. I couldn't. Yeah. We, there was ice. Like, I mean, there was speed came through a lot. Some crack w- went through once Uh weed came through. We got a big lighter in there. Like, and for a tiny Bic lighter, like the small Bic lighters, we had to pay like at least, I think it was over 20 bucks for a, for the, not even a regular Bic lighter, a small one. So we could like, you know, light our fucking cigarettes and shit. And, um, before we would have to pop a socket. And for the, for those that don't know, popping a socket is how you usually light your cigarettes in jail and you need an electrical yeah, outlet this, to do it. Spark, it uh, yeah. You, what you got to do a fucking paperclip. In. Yeah. You put, you get a, you get a paperclip somehow or a piece of metal and you stick it in both ends of the outlet. And then you make what's called a tulip, which is, um, it's some toilet paper wrapped up, spun around, and then you get the lead from a pencil yeah, at the end of the tulip. So when you stroke both ends, uh, the positive and negative, um, you know, uh, ends of the whatever metal that's you jammed into an outlet, it creates a spark and lights your tulip on fire. And that's how you, you light your fucking cigarettes. And, but we would have basically in, in, I mean, I'm sure it's the same in Oakland, but all the pods are connected via doors that, so when the cops would do their walk, they would walk, yeah. you know, every hour or so, or and, and during the day, it's every half hour they do a walk through the cells. Um, they just go through the doors and go from pod to pod. Um, but we would, uh, we would uh, like every race had a doorman because to carry kites or carry messages between pods, they would have a special knock. Each race would have a special knock on the door, and then you know you would hear someone from the other pod knock, and then someone would go over and they'd, you know, say, Hey, tell so-and-so whatever, you know, and then you would do that. But we would, we would hit up the pod next door and they would, they were, they, they had a lighter, I think, and they would light a piece of toilet paper or whatever, or a tulip, and then they'd shove it under the door and we'd, we'd grab it real quick and light our cigarettes. And, uh, it was hard because oh, the out because the outlet was on their side. Well, I think they had a big lighter, is what it was. Oh, because okay. they we didn't have like our pod. We we couldn't have access to an outlet of there was no outlets to be had. Yeah, there um, was there was, we had we had one. 
Yeah, like and how um, how were the cells in there? Was it two man cells or three man cells, or was it like fifteen man cells? Well, it depends. Like the trustee pod was all open dorms with bunks, so like we there was no in like individual like two man cells in the trustee pod, but in like the fifth floor cleanup, when I did fifth floor cleanup, those were more max security cells so there was like two man cells and they're you know like five by ten feet and then there was yeah, like you see i've been in jail where it's a two man and been in jail where they're it's, small uh, in, in, in kansas oh, it was fuck. um in kansas it was four or six and then in oakland it was like 20 or 30 there was there was there was four on each floor and it was two floors oh i yeah okay i know what those look like God. i you do, do you know I was watching that show 60 days in and I think it was Kansas or Kentucky the jail in Kentucky they fucking you can buy uh vape pens and in commissary dude it's we got um, our crazy. our commiss- in Kansas our commissary was the sheriff's wife going to the grocery store no way yeah Holy we ordered shit. we got we ordered fucking uh cigarettes we, um, no we ordered dominoes one day oh nice um, this one kid asked the guard, he's like, can we order pizza? And he's like, if the guard is like, if everyone pitches in, you can. So no one gets left out. Nice. And that was two days after I got put in. So I didn't have any money. Oh, and, fuck. uh, this one kid was like, I'll spot him. Yeah. And, nice. uh, yeah, we got fucking soda and pizza. Fuck. Yeah. Dude. Cause know, I got, cause I was in Kansas when I got arrested in Oakland. What I was town out of, in Kansas? Was, um, Colby. I've heard of Colby. Um, it's like uh, it's a smaller, east, smaller town. Right? Yeah, it's it's like east of. Uh, it's like right dead in the middle. Oh, okay. Um, I got pulled over like twenty five pounds. And, oh my god! Um, a couple pounds of hash. Holy fuck! And that's super and that, illegal there. <laughs> yeah, and that's well, what's fucked up. So I was out on bail oh, in California fuck. when this happened. Yeah. Because I was like, I need to make some moves. I got to pay for all this. Yeah. And. Uh, so I got arrested in Kansas, That's and then wait, dude. they wanted to take me federal because it was the same charge in two states Fuck. going on at the same time. So then I had to I had to pay for I had a local lawyer in Kansas, God, and damn. then I had a local lawyer in Cali, and then I had to get a federal attorney, which cost me like forty G's. Fuck, and uh, that lawyer was Jesus. such a G. That yeah. lawyer is such a pimp. He made it not go federal. He nice. made it so I so I only in Kansas for that which weight. My only charges were everything I had to do was one year of unsupervised probation. Wow. Um, time served for the nine days I was the thirteen okay. days I was in there before I got bailed out, and three hundred dollar fine. That's a good ass fucking lawyer, dude. Yes. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Whereas Cali, for the same weight, pretty much, that I had paperwork for. I had medical paperwork for everything I got in trouble for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got five years probation, 180 days in, Whew. and fucking $3,000 fine. Jesus. And felonies. Felony intent to distribute? Um, attempt, to, attempt to interstate. Oh, interstate, yeah. That was the that was the because I I got charged with four felonies, and they told me to pick one, so that was the one wow. that carried the least amount of time. 
What were the other felonies you had to choose from? Um, possession of marijuana concentrate. Oh yeah, attempt to distribute or attempt to distribute or attempt to traffic something like that, and then just like possession of large quantity. That's fucking crazy. And you know what? I you know I was doing time for working at the dispensary because this was before Prop forty forty six or whatever. Is it when you were doing when you were doing the delivery thing? Yeah, yeah. I got and it was and I'm sure it was because I had concentrates because that was such a gray area. It still is a gray area because you know butane hash extraction is still like frowned upon even in uh, this still state. Manufacturing, yeah. But it yeah. But I mean, it's like. Every fucking dispensary has fucking concentrates, and because there's weird laws where it's not legal, it's not illegal to have, but it's illegal to make. I mean, but the craziest thing is like our storefront in Venice Beach. People would buy concentrates and then get caught on the beach with it and get felony, fucking possession of like a concentrate or whatever, which is just like yeah. okay, so like it's just like it was just weird it was it was prop 215 was still like a wild west kind of time where they were still working out regulations for these dispensaries but it's like you know there's different ways to it to extract concentrates not just but you don't have to just use butane there's co2 extraction there's there's other extraction methods and what fucking cop is going to know the difference between a fucking uh fucking co2 and a butane hash extraction i mean I know, some I know of them you couldn't do. even tell the difference you know I know people that have got caught with heroin said it was fucking hash. Really? Yeah. The, wait, wait, like clar- clarify that. Like you, they, they got, got caught, caught with, with like, they, they caught with they got caught with like black tar. And they got charged they, like it was hash. No, they said they said it. They said. Oh. I mean, it didn't stick because obviously they tested it in the lab. Yeah. But. When they got their their original charge was possession of marijuana concentrate. Well, you know what's fucked too is I saw this news article on TV once, and it, I mean, um, they it was reposted on the internet. But dude, they did a a science. Uh, they did like these lab tests on those those police field uh, drug tests. Dude, sometimes they would test shit that was not even drugs, and it would test positive for drugs. Like, those field test kits are fucking bunk as fuck, you know? Dude, like whenever I, when I took my Suboxone drug test, uh-huh. um, I tested positive for drugs. I didn't even, I haven't done it in years. Yeah, that's so <laughs> you know when I was in the methadone, I was I was in the methadone maintenance program once in Pasadena, and I smoked so much weed working at the dispensary that I wouldn't I wouldn't even pop uh, positive for methadone. Like I guess the weed <laughs> broke down the methadone out, out of my system so fast because for some reason, and they would literally have to watch me piss to believe me because they thought I was like. Uh, using someone else's piss or trying to get one over on them. And I was like, no, dude. I was like, dude. Because they, and they, they, if you have um, a medical, if I had a medical card, they didn't care if I smoked weed. But, and I worked at the dispensary, but I was also going to methadone program. So they literally had to watch me piss like three or four times. And then there, it showed like I still didn't pop dirty for methadone. And then they found some article or study that was like, I guess weed just breaks down the methadone out of your system super fast. Which is so really when I was on, when I was on probation, uh, when I was like seventeen or something, uh-huh. I I failed every drug test for three years, <sighs> and for weed. Yeah. But it was because and almost I didn't get cut. Ninety percent of them weren't fails because when I first went in, my THC levels were so high 
Like they were basically, they basically told me I was like the highest levels they'd ever seen. Well, can't you, don't you <laughs> and, uh, max out at a thousand percent THC in the yeah. body? You can't get mad yeah. anymore. And, and they said, as long as your level declines, you can still be, you can still be positive. Yeah. So I would just make sure, to show you know, you're dropping. yeah, I just would make sure that like, I wouldn't smoke out that day. Yeah. Or like I would work out for a few days beforehand since it sticks to fat cells. And so I would make it so. And then finally, my probation officer wouldn't let me get off probation because I was like, just give me jail time. I'm sick of this shit. And uh, she's like, I'm not sending you to jail. Like I want to go to jail so I don't have to see you anymore. Yeah. And she wouldn't do it. And then finally, I failed it. Um, a seven panel for all seven. A dip test. Yeah, I, I failed for everything they tested me for. And those dip tests are the are um, the easiest to 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 beat usually because their cutoff levels are are not as as specific yeah. as like a lab test. Yeah, I remember I was at like uh, um, Dark Star Orchestra thing, which is a Grateful Dead cover band. They yeah, did, I've like, heard of that. I actually, heard yeah. of that they did like a three day thing at this like mountain venue, you know, it was like camping and everything. And, uh, I think I've seen them when I was in Ohio at the ledges. Probably. I mean, they play everywhere and they've been playing for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, Crazy shit. So I called my fucking color on Tuesday Mm -hmm. and I'm in the mountains, you know, four hours from Denver. Okay. And my color got called. What color were you? Um, I think that time I was turquoise. Okay. Um, and or no, I was yellow. Yeah. How many? How so often did that get that called time. a month? Um, yellow was. Uh, it was supposed to be twice a month, but a lot of times it would be three times a month or once a month because oh, it was wow. just. Okay. It was really weird with the way it like came up. Yeah. And. Uh, but I remember people were like, just don't even go. I was like, no, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went, I failed for everything. Oh my God. And then, uh, the next time, the next, my next probation meeting, um, when I walked into my probation officer's office, there was a cop standing there. Oh no. And I was like, do I get to go to jail now? <laughs> and she just like handed me my paper. She's like, how did you do this? I was like, I had a good weekend. What do you, what do you mean? How did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so she finally. So you passed? No, no, I, I failed. Oh, you failed. Day. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. I and then I jail for eighteen days. Oh fuck, that's fucked. <laughs> but I, I would rather do six months in jail than a year on probation. Yeah, probation is so fucked. I'll never dude. go on paper again. I it, it's it's literally it's just a fucking it's literally designed just to keep it's people des- in the system it's, exactly. longer. It's designed to keep you on paper. It's designed to make you fuck up. Yeah, exactly. It just it just makes it's just so easy for a cop to pull you over and search. They can just search you anytime, and it just it just oh, it's so fucked. I hate probation. Yeah. And it's the same with drug court. I mean, drug court is designed so that you're going to eventually fuck up and then have to do your max out an original sentence anyway. But in the yeah, process, you're paying, like, you know. 
all these other fucking programs. Or something. I was watching this thing on West Virginia hair problem. Uh-huh. And they were going to drug court and showing the gut drug court program. And this judge was so cool. Like, there were people that would lie about a relapse, and uh -huh. she'd send them to jail. But if they were honest, and like, yeah, I relapsed last week, blah, 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 she would be okay with it. He's like, I understand relapse is part of recovery. Yeah. Like wow. That judge. Yeah. Like she oh, like, wow. as long as you were honest. See, would, you know. with us, like they would give you less of a sanction if you were honest, but if you tried to get one over on them, they'd give you more time, give you more of a sanction time, but they would never like if for self-admitting, they would never not give you no time. Like, it, um, like I always wondered, like at first, like I was like, dude, 80% of the people in drug court, at least 80 to 85% uh, drop out and end up maxing out. So it's like, how the fuck are they getting funding for a program that does so shitty in success rates? And then, then I realized this is not about the fucking success rate. It's about money. And it's about extracting as much money out of, out of the fucking, you know, person as possible, you know? And like, what better way to do that than to not only get them to eventually do their max conviction time or whatever, their max time they were, you know, given, but also in between get them to go through this, like, you know, 18 month program and pay all these other fines at the same yeah, time. Essentially like a, a fine based outpatient rehab, basically. Yeah. But way, way worse. Cause yeah, it's more, like, more militant. Oh, for sure. And they were so strict. Like you're late five minutes. Oh, a weekend in jail. Oh, you talk back to somebody a weekend in jail. And then there's this whole matrix of time, uh, for a sanction you'd get. And it's like, you know, uh, if, if the, if like the counselor had their eye or on a specific individual or client in drug court, like they would just bully them and pick on them until they would just give up and fucking just say, fuck it. And either go on the run or just say, Hey, max me out. Because like, um, you know, they would put them on the random board all the time or, or just like just focus on one individual. And it's like, dude, if you do a sanction long enough, you're going to lose your job. And then you're back to square one, having to look for a job all over again. And it's just like, what good is that? That doesn't teach the individual anything about their addiction or, or, or ways to treat their addiction. If anything, it just teaches them to mistrust the system and, and be more rebellious against the system. And then, then like a lot of people who were relapsing, it wasn't even about getting high as much as it was as like, like Fuck in the system. Yes. Yeah, so like, yeah, it was almost like, you know how people in the seventies smoked pot to protest the war. Like people were doing drugs just to protest the drug court program yeah. at that point. You know, like, I mean, I know, I know I didn't quit smoking pot strictly on principle. Yeah. That, like um, when I was younger on probation, like that was one of my things. I was like, I'm not doing it just because like everyone I know has had to do it. And I'm not going to be one of those other numbers. Yeah. Like when I graduated drug court, I don't know. First of all, I don't know how I was able to graduate drug court. I barely, barely graduated drug court. Like I, I was like one fuck up away from getting kicked out of drug court. And when did, somehow, uh, when, did, when did you do that? When did I graduate? Yeah. Um, fuck. Let's see. Let's look at the calendar here. 
It was relatively recently, right? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, maybe six months ago I graduated. Yeah. But I mean, mind you, I I was buying drugs and and saving them in a lockbox in a storage unit (laughs) that was not in my name and undisclosed, you know, and I just had this crazy fear and loathing style fucking briefcase of drugs that I was saving and, you know, trading. And I mean, by the, by the moment I graduated drug court, I walked out of that courtroom, drove straight to my fucking storage unit. And I started shooting up goofballs like on the spot. <laughs> it's like, this is waiting for me, you know? And, and not only that, I had perfected the art of weekend warrior like status. Like I, oh, yeah, I was like, then I was like, I, I, when I was do- when, like before I did my 10 years clean and while I was doing my 10 years, mm-hmm. I wasn't clean the whole 10 years. Yeah. I just, I just never had a habit. Yeah. Like I was like, and especially like the thing is, is like, if there's a, like during the holiday lineup, like if a holiday landed on a Friday or a Monday, we had a three, three day weekend with no testing. So I would be able to do at least do at least one issue and then I'd put it down. I'd, I'd, I'd keep it in the storage unit. So, cause if it was in my house, I mean, it'd be hard to fucking turn down, but, uh, I had to like discipline myself, but I would do it once. And then if I had three solid days in between testing, I would knew I was going to pass, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it, uh, I guess I held myself in I, for some reason I held myself in such high regards cause I was the only person to like be able to do it and then put it down and, and, and not, keep doing it it's literally everyone else who who tried that would just say fuck it and then keep getting loaded so i've i i felt like superior for some reason even though like it doesn't matter no, I, like, I still was I know, chronic I know, relapse like, you know like yeah i wasn't you know like night most people would not let me say i had that long clean because i still got fucked up sometimes yeah but i never let it be an issue i didn't shoot like, yeah. I mean, there's a difference between, between getting strung out and having no control over your drug use and being able to do it once on the weekend and put it down. You know, I think there's, I think that's a big fucking difference, you know? And most of it was like, I wasn't really even doing heroin. You know? Mostly like, you know, I'm, par- I'm at a party, someone hands me a fucking Percocet or, you know, like I wasn't like actively trying to do drugs. Yeah. You know, I would do it sometimes if it was there. And yeah. plus, I mean, at the, at the time, I was, like, going on fish tour and shit like that. So it was a take-it-or-leave-it kind of situation, yeah. basically. I mean, yeah. if it was there, it was there. But if it wasn't, it's not like you were seeking it out, basically. Exactly. It wasn't a big deal. I, do you think popping a Percocet would stay in your system longer than shooting up, like the equal amount in heroin. I think it would too, just by pure physics alone. Yeah. Because the routes of administration, it's going through your digestive system, then to your bloodstream or, and then, you know, through the various different parts of the body where you you shoot it up, up, it's straight to the blood. Diluted diluted right away. And it's straight to the blood. So you would think it would pass through your system faster because it's not going through through your kidneys and your liver and get washed out right then. That's what I thought. I, cause, um, I popped a Vicodin when I was in Prop 46 and uh, it took a lot longer to get out of my system and I ended up popping a dirty for it. But fortunately, Prop 46, like I could get away with missing drug tests and popping dirties every now and then and not going to jail, even though they said, oh, I got to send you to jail. It never happened. Drug court, like there is no room for 
any any like it's so fucking strict it's so you so you're all done with like all your legal drug shit right well i just did my last dui class today and um i just have to pay off the last bit of fines for that and then yeah i'm done and uh then you know i think literally like almost everything will be uh, off my record i think the only thing i could think of would be when i was a senior in high school and got popped for weed back when it was illegal, but I was under 18. So I think because I had, yeah, I think because I had completed probation and all that, I don't even think that's on my record. So I'd have to check and see what would still be on my record. But as far as I know, I think my record is practically clean aside from the DUI. Like I had to do, um, I still have to do the 18 days house arrest, but, um, if I do, because I, I actually put that off. Um, I thought you already did that. <laughs> no, I did. I did the three months of um, DUI classes, and I was going to do a house arrest, but then I I called and rescheduled once because I had uh, gotten staff on my face. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was MRSA. I, I thought it was MRSA, but they did a swab test and ended up being staff. I still have a scar on my face, right on my cheekbone from when I had staff on my face, like I, I was fucked. Was that up. just from a missed shot? Or? Yeah. But it was like, it was, I, it must've been, but it was weird. Cause it's not like I was shooting up in my face. I think what it yeah. was is cause, uh, I think just the, it was just probably from the speed, like, um, this, I think the speed just like pushes through my pores really gnarly well, and it, it causes me to break out. That should happen too. It's, the, it's, some cuts that they, um, cut speed was just the, the body will not break down. So Ugh. that's why, like with misses, it just sits in between your muscle and your skin. Yeah. And like, like you hear about people like pulling the fluids out with fucking yeah, it was like clear pus coming out of my fucking pores. And the, what didn't help either is that you know when I had bought some a pack of rigs, they only had the long points, and I don't really like the long needles. I I like the shorts because I you know my veins pop out just fine on their own. So I wouldn't, I mean, to register with a short is easy. You know, I don't need the long ones because my veins don't sink deep. And so when I have, lo- when I try to use longs, I have to go really parallel and I have to, I can't push in the needle in all the way, you know, because then I, so what I probably did was, you know, I was probably trying to keep the needle like halfway in my arm. I probably, other. yeah, I probably went through the vein and I probably missed part of the shot is what I'm thinking, you know, because it's hard to tell. Cause you know, it, it, for me, even if I've registered it, it if there's speed in the shot, it's going to burn at least a little so, yeah, bit. It still hurts anyway. yeah, yeah. It still burns a little bit, even if you're registered perfectly. So I think with the longs, I probably fucked up and missed part of it. And then it made me break out. And, um, cause I'm such a lightweight with fucking speed, you know? So that's probably what happened. And then I broke out and, um, I did. It, I thought, you know, I thought the fucking scabs on my face were fucking so disgusting. I thought they were gonna heal, but they didn't. So I had ended up. Um, I think I woke up one day. My eye was, my left eye was like almost swollen shut. And my my fucking mom looked at it and she's like, "You got to go to the hospital now." And uh, someone had told me like you could lose your eye. So I was like, "Fuck this, no good." So how long was that relapse? How long ago was that? Um, fuck, I want to say like three, four weeks ago, 
and then um I was supposed to get put on I was supposed to get put on house arrest on the 6th of March but then I had to relapse again like three days prior. So I didn't like they, they were going to drug test me right when I went to get my ankle monitor put yeah, on. That sounds about right. Cause I remember the last time we talked, I could tell that you were, you, I knew you were going to relapse. <laughs> You're not the only person that said that. <laughs> um, but like, uh, yeah, like I was too afraid to, to get the ankle monitor put on. Cause if I would have tested dirty, I would have just gone straight to jail, like right there in cuffs and going to jail. And I would, I thought it would be better to, to request from the courts. Um, uh, uh, I guess, well, I don't know what the official term is, but to get it pushed back, um, just continuance. A, a continuance basically. And now, um, since talking to this guy from this, I'm doing, if I'm going to sign up for, uh, inpatient, um, that's going to be much longer than 18 days. I think the, and since it's the inpatient is in Santa Barbara County, which is the County where I got the DUI. You can be on house arrest. You can be on home confinement and rehab. Well, I think they'll take inpatient in lieu of house arrest, okay. especially if it's more time in inpatient yeah, than house arrest. Then you're still, you're still in one spot yeah. and like being monitored and doing testing there regularly yeah. and whatnot. So either they will let me do house arrest at the same time as inpatient, or they will accept inpatient as, uh, as, and accept as a replacement to house arrest, or they'll let me, you know, push back my house arrest sign up date. Um, so I've been having my DUI attorney, God, I feel bad for them having to put up with my fucking shenanigans, but, um, yeah. So, uh, I thought that would be better than showing up and testing, possibly testing dirty. Cause I, it was literally like just over 72 hours that I had dried. It was, flushing. So I thought, man, like that's cutting it close. I mean, I could test clean. I could test dirty. I, and they want you to sign up for house arrest at seven 30 in the morning. So it's like, there's not really a lot of time to like test myself or find out. So I, I was like, fuck. So I called the sheriff uh, who runs the, it's called swap program. I called him and uh, I told him I was going to try and reschedule. And I was, uh, requesting a, a court date, uh, to talk to the judge about it. Um, so that's the last thing I have to do. Um, but you know, how, how long was your little relapse? Just like a day or so, or, uh, the last one was like, not even a week, like maybe cause it was on and off. Like, you know, I yeah. had, I had acquired some subutex, so I, I would dry out for a few days and then I would just, you know, be like, fuck it. You know? So basically like my life. Yeah. Like, I mean, fuck dude, I, I was just going, I mean, I don't know if you knew, but there was just a lot of shit going on with my family and my sister might have a miscarriage and my dad's got heart issues and it was just this whole fucking thing where I, I, just everything yeah, I reacted to it the exact wrong way that I should have. And I, I wanted to numb out from like the stress of it all. And it, it was a fucking stupid mistake on my part because it ended up, ended up just creating more problems than it fucking gave me solutions, you know? That's the problem with relapses is that's what they do. Yeah, I fucked up a really good relationship I had with this girl that I really liked and now she fucking thinks I'm a piece of shit and that sucks. But, um, 
you know, it is what it is. I got to fucking, I have to sleep in the bed I made for myself, so to speak. You know, I'm fucking, yeah. my, my, my decisions in life kind of create the reality around in which I exist. So I got to just be more aware of that. And, um, you know, this is the first time I've actually like thought I could use help, um, outside of myself, you know, and, um, you know, my parents were kind of, you know, hinting and suggesting that I try inpatient and, um, I never really have done inpatient before. So I thought, Hey, you know, my co-host did went and did 12 months of fucking in of uh, rehab and he's been he's doing fucking great right now like and the way he talks about recovery is like super impressive so i thought hey i'll give it a shot you know i mean i ended up turning down a really good job offer here i got there's a sprouts opening up here uh and it, they just built a new building and they wanted me to as head of meat the meat department as like a butcher head butcher yeah, I remember talking was, about that. Yeah, I was stoked on that job. And uh, I ended up turning it down so I could do inpatient, which kind of sucks because I could be making good money or getting trained to be making good money here. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just I just know too many fuckheads in this, t- this whole area, you know? I know. That's what I always find is the best way for me to, like, if I want to actually, like, stop is I just have to leave. Yeah, and the thing is, is like I I need to and build it sucks a good. That it's that bad, but yeah, I mean it does suck. I mean, like I well, just... I mean most of my friends don't even do it, Ugh, but yeah. like the few that do are just it's a bad. It's like the the fucking the fucking urge, like to to know you. It's so easy to acquire. It's just like sucks, you know. And what what sucks the most is like, you know, usually like. 15, 20 minutes after I send out that text where I'm like, uh, to try and get some, usually 15, 20 minutes after I'm waiting on a response, I'm usually like, oh, I probably don't even care anymore if I get but it. But you already not. put the but order then, out. So. Yeah. And then you get the text back and then it's like, well, I can't turn it down now. You know, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking addict. And it's like hard to turn down when it's like so easy to get, you know? And half the time, like, you know, a bunch of dealers who don't have cars will just fucking offer it for fucking a ride somewhere or like. Oh, I mean, I used to drive this one person around almost every day for a couple hours for like two grams. Yeah, dude, it's like, it's that easy. You know, if, if a dealer doesn't have a car, they'll fucking kick you down fat for rides to wherever the fuck they needed to go to get, take care of their shit. You know, whatever the fuck. I mean, I drove someone to L.A. and back so they could get a, something out of a storage unit. And I made a fucking fat. I became fat off that, you know, which was stupid on my part. But it's like they hit me up the night before. Like I really like my ride didn't my ride bailed out the last minute. I'll, I'll hook you up with a gram of each or even more than I guess that. I don't even remember. But yeah, and then and I, I did it every single day. Like I would pick, I would pick, I would pick her up at you know, like 11 and driver till pretty much I had to go to work. Yeah. Like, and she'd fill my tank. She'd fill my tank, buy me food. Fucking. It's ridiculous how easy it is. Like, I mean, and the thing is like, I, I can't, I had good hustles, especially like back when I was super strung out, I had really good hustles. Like I remember I was, uh, I cracked a copy of QuickBooks pro that like software for like, uh, 
doing payroll for fucking businesses. I cracked it, and then I was able to hack the part that, uh, like, doesn't send out, like, the, like, usually it sends out information to a bank or whatever when you do payroll stubs. I cracked the part of the software so it wouldn't send out any info. So I stole the software, and I hacked it so it wouldn't, like, you know, trace back to me. And I was making fake pay stubs for dealers so they could rent apartments and making <laughs> fucking good amounts oh, of I'm dough sure. for that. Because, I mean, not, not many people know how to do that kind of shit. And, uh, I mean, I'd say out of most junkies, I'm probably fairly tech-savvy, you know, in that regards. And I was, like, you know, Photoshopping fucking... Uh, I was photoshopping like, you know, fucking like legal documents for like, for, for, for cars and like taking homie's mom's name off of like, you know, fucking pink slips for the car and having it just be in his name. Like crazy (laughs) shit that I should not ever admit to, you know, this is all allegedly, this is all just, yeah, yeah, but, uh. No, like I was doing shit that most people didn't know how to do and getting p- compensated very generously for it because, I mean, how many dealers know a junkie that knew how to f- his way around Photoshop or all these software? And, um, I mean, and Photoshop, I mean, I dude, when I got my MacBook Pro, I fucking cracked like thousands of dollars worth of software. So I had like Final Cut Pro and all the Adobe softwares. And One of my hustles for a while was because, you know, like, you know, I've been relatively big in the security industry for a while. Yeah. And uh, I would just put guest list people, oh, you know, to, yeah. show, to shows and shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, there'd dude, be some shows, I'd have nice. 10 people in there. And I'd get, you know, I had one dude who would give me a fucking gram anytime I put his list, name on a list. And just for that job alone, you're already, uh, you're already given a certain amount of guest list spots, right? Just... Um, it's some places. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. I did that too. When I was, um, when I was DJing, I would, I would be able to get a certain amount of people on the guest list. Cause if I was an opener or whatever, um, and if I, and if I got, got a certain amount of people or tickets sold, then they would, they really didn't give a fuck if I got anybody on the guest list. They didn't give a shit, you know? Um, so Dude, I'm hearing. Do you have a police scanner app or something? Because I swear um, to God, I hear. No, that's my it. that's my walkie-talkie on my shoulder. Nice. So I just, dude, I was. Uh, I downloaded these police scanner apps on my phone because oh, I I've, 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 I've definitely fucking like followed live crimes on police scanner. They're fucking entertaining, dude. They're fun, yeah. And some of them you can get like different radio channels from around the world. Yeah. And uh, I remember one morning I couldn't sleep. And I had got on some, some like, like public work state channel uh-huh. of of Ireland. Oh my god! It, like like early in the morning. <laughs> so I was listening to all these and Irish people like talk about getting their coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was so entertaining. Oh my god! Well, I I uh, my I remember my heard up. Uh, you know, a local police scanner and it was, um, they were after or trying to go after one of my friends that was in drug court <laughs> for <laughs> what reason, whatever reason I don't remember, but I was like, what the fuck? Cause they, they listed the last name and first on the first name last. And I was like, what the fuck? 
the biggest one was uh, remember whenever that uh, movie theater shooting happened in Colorado? Yeah, with the dude who was dressed up like the Joker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh my um, god. Yeah. Me, me and my girlfriend at the time, we were at my house in the mountains on the police scanner, mm-hmm. like listening to all the cops talk about it and shit. Like um, that was fucking crazy. Like. Fuck. Oh, wait, you heard the police scanner for that shooting? While it was going, yeah. Oh, I bet that thing was lighting up like crazy. Oh, yeah, like, and we had, it hadn't even hit the news yet. Oh, my God. Dude. Like, we knew it happened before, like, because she would just, like, listen to it just, like, for fun. And she, like, just had it on in the background, and all this shit oh started God. popping off. And fucking... And you probably didn't know at first, like, what the fuck it was No, for. they were just talking about fucking dude with a machine gun. Jesus Christ. Yeah, then it turned out to be a huge shooting. So, um, yeah, you know, I did a podcast that I still haven't aired with my homie who's in... It, it tripped me out. And the thing is, I haven't aired it because, first of all, that's a real touchy subject. I was going to say, I actually, all, like, had to put down a few episodes because I had talked about certain things. Yeah, some topics I just uh, I decided, not. and well, plus that episode that I did with him, we were both loaded. Like I, I had done a shot all while we were recording. I mean, you can't. I don't announce it or anything, but I mean, fuck it. See, I, I have a full episode that's like an hour and a half long. That's mm-hmm. me trying to find a vein the entire oh time. Oh my god! And, and it's I'm like, like bitching about, and I'm bitching about it the whole time. Oh, <laughs> and, gold. Um, oh, I mean, I mean, it's I don't remember what episode number it's called, but it's called. Oh, uh, it's up. Hell I can at, listen to it. Yeah, it's called um, Hell at the End of a Needle. Oh, I'm gonna listen to that tonight. <laughs> yeah, and it's me like. My buddy's like nodding out in the background and I'm just like fucking so pissed off. And I'm like, there's blood everywhere that you never want to live like this. I hate everything. Fuck (laughs) you. I've re-listened to it before. It's not a pretty, it's not a pretty scene. It's well, um, I mean, drug addiction and our kind of a drug addiction, especially intravenous drug addiction is not pretty, pretty. but the thing that shows the dark side of it. Yeah. And that's what I like about your podcast in like, my podcast I, uh, is is in somewhat similar. Is that we we get really raw and we don't. I mean, I I hold back a little bit. I try to and I censor out as much as I think needs to be censored out. But like, I mean, what other podcasts do you know that have active addicts? I mean, we're not. I mean, I don't. I don't know how much clean time you have right now. But we've we've aired ourselves and broadcast herself during active addiction. Well, here's what I tell people when they bitch at me about that. Uh-huh. You know, they're like, you're, you have a recovery podcast and you're fucking high as shit. I'm like, I, for one, I never claim to have a recovery podcast. Yeah. People treat it as such. I claim to have a drug subculture podcast. Okay. I like two, that. Two, if you hear me get fucked up, listen to me then. Listen to me in two weeks and listen to how different I am. Oh, Yeah. So it's a really good juxtaposition. Like you can tell if I'm loaded by the how my voice sounds. Like when I'm loaded, my voice gets super groggy and super like um it's it's just groggier sounding. So like everybody can tell when I'm loaded just by the sound of my voice changing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it just like all my girlfriends would always know when I was loaded when they would talk to me on the phone. They'd be like, "You're loaded. I know you're fucking loaded." And I'd be like, "No, I'm not, man." <laughs> see, like I see, like I don't 
See, I don't really sound that different because I sound fucked up all the time. And I hate that about my voice. Your voice always sounds the same. I've never been able to tell if you were loaded, ever. Yeah, like I have that laid back. like That's like a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. I hate it. I hate it. Like I liked it when I was younger. Yeah. now like when I try to be professional or whatever, like I just, I can't sound it. I mean. Even if I speak intelligent, it still sounds like I'm fucking like high. Even if it just like sounds like I'm high on weed, I still sound. Even if you're super articulate and like. Yeah introspective or you know um and it's just like the the tones i think i carry you think like you think it's the drugs that permanently affected your voice i know for a fact it is because i had a friend who did so much dope that it gave him a lisp and he had a perma lisp like see what did what did this to me was ketamine really the ketamine did it because you can, especially people who knew me through the whole time, like before I had my, like, cause there was like a year and a half where uh-huh. I did K every day oh, and a lot, fuck. and a lot of it. Can you shoot so, up K? Um, you can muscle it. You can't, re- you, you're not supposed to register it in a vein or. Um, they say don't, um, I've never done either one. Yeah. I've, I've only ever seen, you know, sniffed it. Okay. Um, Cause I know like steroids, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to muscle it. You're not. And if you register, it could, it could kill you if it goes to your heart. Like, yeah. Like with K, if you like, if you IV it, it just it lasts really, really. And like, when you're like that, no one wants to be in a K hole. I mean, v- most of everybody would, would prefer not to be in a K hole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I've never done ketamine ever. Um, See, like, I think it's very healthy. Well, they have, um, and they have depression clinics in California now where they administer it. The FDA just approved three days ago. The nasal spray, right? The nasal spray, yeah. That's trippy because um, in Los Angeles, they have these uh, depression clinics. They have them here in Denver too. they, uh, They give it to you through IV. They give you an IV of ketamine and you have this little ketamine like whatever like psychedelic experience like, like a, once like a month a drip, or yeah. yeah once or every couple months or whatever and and for some people it cures their depression um my like, ex did it um i guess after we split at the one of the clinics um, yeah how did did you she, she tell she you how she, she liked it yeah As, she said it, she said it was awesome and it helped with her depression yeah i mean i i i from what i've heard about it i've heard that from the people who have done it, if all very positive experiences um, versus when, when I did it, yeah, when I was like actively in ketamine the first time I uh, I was like trying to go to rehab, like, yeah, like it was so bad. Like, I literally would like wake up and my kidney and my liver would just hurt from doing so much ketamine, and it would hurt so bad that I would just do more to make it not hurt. Oh and, God! Um, coming That's off K was harder than coming off dope. Really? What were the symptoms of? That I you mean, feel? it's more men- It's more mental. Okay. Because when you're doing that, okay, you pretty much like you're living in a half K hole. You know, Ugh. so you have to learn how to live in real life again because you become so disassociated and disattached oh with my everything. God. 
That's your emotions, intense. your feelings, your friends, like even if you're there every day and present, uh-huh. your mind is not. So when you're withdrawal with you're going through withdrawal, it's more like your your emotions are hitting you like all at once and it's in super intense. Like it's everything because what K does is it disassociate, it disassociates you with the world around you. So you have to learn to live in the world again. Oh, that sounds intense. It was super intense. Like, do you have any crazy like ketamine stories? Um, well, there was. Uh, so we used to drive when I we used to drive Oakland to get keys of Molly and K okay. to bring back to Denver, and uh, I uh, I went out there and. I went out there just on a last-minute trip to get a Kia K. And it was over Christmas weekend. And I never thought about how I was going to get back. Uh-huh. I flew out there, and then, so now I'm stuck in Oakland with a Kia K. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, then I was like, I'm going to take the train. <laughs> so nice. I, then I'm like, All right, how am I going to take it? So I put it in a camel back. Well, the, the looked, security on the train it. isn't that severe. There's really no such thing. Yeah, they don't really search bags or there's no fucking no. bag check or anything. It's fucking pretty no. lax. And uh, so I just put it in a uh, in a camelback and I liquefied it. Oh, okay. Like it's in a and, water bottle uh, or something. Yeah. Nice. And uh, so on that train ride, well, I guess the night before... Mm-hmm. We went and saw. I went and saw Avatar in 3D. Oh wow! And uh, we had made nasal because I've been making K nasal spray for a decade. How do you make homemade K nasal you spray? Put, you just put just put water in a nasal bottle, fucking a gram, and fucking shake you just it up. fill it up. But what you don't realize until you see someone else do it is when the water dries. Mm-hmm. It creates a white crystal circle around your fucking around head. around your what around where around your nose where you're sticking. Oh, so it, oh wow, because because the water dries, the yeah. white residue is just there. Oh, far out. And uh, so on the way there, before we went, I was like passed out on my friend's couch, mm-hmm. and I just got done like thinking that like thousand dollars fake money <laughs> because I was at a cake on it. And it didn't feel right to me. I was like, oh, it's fake. And I like freaked out. Jesus. And then they like made me go take a shower and come. And uh, and then like I'm still kind of coming up with it. And then I did another big line and went right back in. Uh-huh. And I had no clue what was going on. They're like, Nick, we're leaving. I'm like, what, what, where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to see Avatar in 3D in Berkeley. Oh, so, nice. It's like, okay. So then like, friend's beamer and i thought i was in a spaceship <laughs> and <Sure>. uh, <laughs> then we then we pull up to this like historic theater in berkeley that's got like balcony seating oh i think i so know which get, one you're talking about so we berkeley. get front row on the balcony for avatar 3d uh-huh and then Fucking for the next like six months i watched avatar every day because like, <laughs> like with k you can learn how to go a certain uh-huh. You can take your mind. You can learn how to. I tell people once you learn how to use K, it's really special. Yeah. Like, what do you mean, learn how? How to you know, dose I mean, yourself with the proper dose and, and control your thoughts to go where you want to go. 
Oh, fucking. I could take myself to fucking Pandora land and be flying around those fucking crazy birds. Like, it's almost like when you're dreaming and you realize you're dreaming so you can control your dreams, like in a way. Is that similar very to sim- that? Very similar, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh, and my God. So, that, so like, that was the problem is I was going anywhere I wanted to go. Like I was living in Abbott for fucking six months, you know? And like I was doing K all day every day. And to balance myself out, I was doing Coke all day every day. Jesus. So I, would, I, would call, I called them CK1s. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, half Coke, half K. Oh, and I mean, wow. me and my me, me and my roommate at the time, we always had we silver platters lined, mm-hmm. just like piles of both. Jesus. And then actually, like six people came over one day, mm-hmm. and we had they had an intervention. You had, a, got you had a what? I'm sorry, I didn't we, catch the last part. That we got to intervene. Oh fuck! And these are like hardcore party kids too. Yeah. Like they're like, you guys are gonna fucking die. You're crazy. Is this like, in Berkeley still? No, this is it was, um, this is back in Denver. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and uh, I guess so. Yeah, I I'll finish the Berkeley Star. So yeah, we go see, and then we get back, mm-hmm. and uh, then I realized that I had um, I had to catch the train at like nine in the morning, and it's like six in the morning, Oof. and I still haven't started liquefying this K yet. How long so, does it liquefy, like liquefying process take? Well, we didn't. It doesn't take that long, but you got to do the math right so it breaks down properly. Okay. We didn't do the math right, and I didn't realize that I got to Denver and looked in the Camelback. Oh. Half the Camelback was fucking white powder. Oh Jesus! With water on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is trippy. Cause see, every time um. I had a homie that would get K from like Mexico or whatever. It are, it would be in liquid form first and then they yeah. would bake it into yeah. a powder. So yeah, you put it in the microwave. Yeah, yeah. Or the oven or whatever. Yeah, the it, yeah, the microwave. Oh, okay. Um, but I remember uh, when I got my, my ride from the train mm-hmm. was uh, back to my house. My buddy was like calling me and he'd been blowing me up for days. He's like, where are you at? I'm fucking want to get some blah 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 i'm like i'll be back in town in a few days man i'm like you can pick me up from the train he's like yeah okay <laughs> so he picks me up from the train mm-hmm. and uh he's just, just like so can i get it i'm like dude i gotta go cook it down yeah he's like what do you mean i'm like it's in the camelback dude yeah <laughs> and uh so then we get back to my house and uh and the whole time on the train i was like sniffing water like that i was self fucked up that whole plane right oh and i God. didn't realize you could like bring food so like i had and i so i didn't have any food snacks right yeah so i had to um you can make uh dinner reservations and stuff mm-hmm. um at the little restaurant so i did that every night and i spent like 200 bucks on food on the train oh yeah and it's it's pricey the, on the train Dude, like 40 dollars for like a tiny steak yeah, and they they serve nice beers on the train too that are like these are IPAs yeah. and like all kinds of nice shit there. Yeah, and there was a, there were these dreadlock kids one day one night in the viewing car that were just like drinking hell of whiskey and shit. And this is on Christmas Day because I was actually on the train on Christmas. 
all, all by myself. It's the only Christmas I spent like by myself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really weird. So I started talking to these dreadlock kids that are like partying in the viewing car at like two in the morning. And they're just like, we have 50 pounds wrapped up as Christmas presents, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you tell me that? You don't know me. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, so I partied with them and I figured, I'm like, if anyone's getting in trouble, it's trains them. Oh my so, God. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, then we're at my house down, and being hella sloppy. Like, I lost, like, a quarter pound cooking it down. Uh, spit, spilling it, and... Whatever, hold on, uh, oh. Yeah, I gotta put you on mute for a second. Oh, you're good. Yeah, I'm back. Okay, cool. I just had to let him know I was going on a break. Oh, you're all good. I will say, though, this talking's helping time go by fast. Dude, I know, right? The time's flying by right now. Yeah, this is because that's the one thing about overnights that sucks. Is I, I literally like I'm walking around a two million square foot building, just like checking doors and checking, rechecking the same doors and blah blah. It's so boring. But <laughs> I mean, I get I'm I work over I get over forty hours a week, so I get so I do get so I get overtime. I mean, I get paid to walk. Oh. Yeah. Because um, I do on average of awesome. seven to 10 miles a night. And uh-huh. I do five to six nights a week. Um, I've never worked this much legally in my life. Um, this will be the first. I'm due, I got to finish my taxes this weekend. Be the first tax refund I've ever gotten. Um, Damn. So... Regardless, if I'm like not clean right now, I'm still doing really well. Yeah. You know, like I'm holding my shit together really well. And I know that I'm not going to let it get bad enough to fuck up everything I've built. Um, Fucking A. Because, I mean, I don't even really get high. I won't lie. I mean, I just maintain and not, and I don't get sick. Yeah, I mean, that's usually what how it is, you know, once you have built up a tolerance, you know. Yeah. Even though I don't get high, I still want to do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, fuck, I mean, dude. just every couple of weeks, like, I'll, I'll want to shoot up. And then, like, I just got, I just, I went really hard for, like, a month. No, like, two weeks. And then it got to the point where I couldn't find a vein in it. That's the worst. So... I was just like, fuck this. Because they would, your veins would sink in deeper. Yeah, they go away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and I've, co- I've collapsed not most of my big ones. Like, fuck. gone. But do you, your, veins, almost, your veins bounce back after, you know, you dry out um, for a while, right? I mean, each to each time they bounce back a little less. Yeah, so each time it's a little worse, you know? Yeah, so each time it's a little bit worse. Fucking A. But you're mainly doing um, just... Uh, um, H, right? You're not doing like speed balls or goofballs regularly, right? Yeah. Right now, though, I will say that I've been doing more speed than I've ever done in my life. Intervenously? 
Oh, okay, good. Because that's so bad. Just be, so bad yeah, to do. Like, like, I did a goofball a few days ago. That was my problem is that I I always would just do goofballs. And I was like, fuck, dude. I know this is not a maintainable thing. Like, I, I should have, you know, banged my H and then... um done my speed another way like but you want the rush exactly oh, yeah i want the combination rush of both mixed at the same time you know and that was but i mean i never had a problem finding a vein you know um yeah see like i got done like because my, my arms are pretty much worthless now i still have one one that i can get on the side of my left arm but like my my go-to's are all done and then so I was using my hands for the last like six months. And um, after my last round, like I had fucking, you know, like abscesses on my hand. Fucking just like, I mean, if you look at my hand, both of them, every vein is just straight scars up and down. And, and before it wasn't scars. It was just straight fucking, it looked like a cat's fucking attack. Jesus. It's like scrapes, but we're just poke after poke after poke after poke on both of my hands up and down so i looked at my hands one day like yuck you know fuck so and through just back to the point where it's pretty much just scar tissue yeah all this staff that i got on my face left a scar on my fucking face that i'm just like god damn it 90 percent of people can look at my hand and not look weird to them yeah, they would. Like normies had, wouldn't be able to tell what it was from. No, but if you've ever if you've ever had a drug problem, you look at my hand. Like, um, who worked here a few weeks ago? He, uh, we were talking, and we started talking about recovery, and whatever. And he's like, "Yeah, I knew you did something." He's like, "I saw your hands, <laughs> and it was just scar tissue, you know." But I mean, scars up and down the veins, you know, it used to go there, you know. Fuck so, yeah. I just hate that because I know that, like, I've been on the bus or, like, at the airport, you know, just somewhere where a bunch of random people are, and I've seen someone's hands, like, mm-hmm. oh, that drug user. Yeah. Or an ex-drug user. And, and now, your veins get, like, calluses almost after a while from, from like, built yeah. up being oh, penetrated. Oh, dude, like, if I fucking try to go into, like, crest of my arm or something, I probably have to go through a quarter inch of scar tissue to get there. Yeah, you got to like push it through harder. Like, and then yeah. you f- when you feel it, like it feels horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels, it's just rock hard. It's, ho- oh, it's the worst feeling ever. <laughs> but, it, but I hate now that I have those hands that people notice from far away. Do you think the lever heal up to a decent amount? I mean, you could get like laser surgery on the lasers on the fucking scars to heal them i've talked to a few girls i know that go hard but never have marks and they told me that uh what is it like vitamin e yeah that's Um, what i've been told too yeah cocoa butter and vitamin e should fucking knock them down a little bit so i'm gonna start doing that now that they're all healed up but I mean, I still have on my on the top of my wrist. I don't even know how it got there, but I went this like open sore. That I mean, it's it's like a lot better, and like I had a doctor look at it, and like it's almost healed up. But it was like a hole in my wrist that was like 
perfect symmetrical hole, like half the size of a dime. Fuck. And I think I like popped an abscess or something. I don't, I don't know. I just looked one day and there was a fucking hole in my wrist. There was a scab. And when I picked the scab, it was just a hole. And literally God like, damn. you can see like the sides of my skin. It's like a fucking well, you know, where it's got clear cut sides. Like, oh. it was the most bizarre thing ever. And it's been like a month, two months. You know what I mean? It's now like almost all the way shut. And like, I even had the doctor look at it because I remember at one point I looked at it, it had like the, the scab was like blue and green. Oh and I think God. that, I think that was just like dirt and shit that got in it, but it like freaked the fuck out of me. I'm like, why is this thing blue? God damn, dude. So I picked that scab off and that's when I noticed it was just like a hole. Like now it looks just like a little scrape. Yeah. It was, it's like weirdest injury sore and it like for a while it hurt too but now like Fuck. now it's you know oh. healing and oh good it's better. healing fucking a like i want i like it's just the doctor didn't stop i was like i'm like antibiotics or something for this like and she's like no because it looked infected to me and like no it just needs to heal you just quit fucking with it yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I went to the doctors for my, for my staff, like I fucking, they gave me a giant antibiotic shot in the, in the butt cheek and then put me on, well, they didn't know if it was MRSA because, um, I had MRSA once, but I, I got MRSA from not even using it was from, uh, I think I was wrestling around with my nephew or something and yet, you know, fucking ki little kids have God knows what under their fingernails. And I think we were play fighting or something. He scratched my face and his fingernails fucking like got MRSA on my face. Like, and, um, then I, so they, they had to give me a, they were, they are, didn't know at the time they did a swab test, but there was like, in case it is MRSA, they gave me an antibiotic that will is like one of the few antibiotics that will treat MRSA. Um, but, and it ended up being staff, but, um, yeah, it was just oh my god, dude. But so I do, fucked. um, I actually do have a plan for um, recovery, and I'm not just like I didn't just like fuck off the box, and it was just like fuck it. Um, yeah. I was getting ready to go into an ibogaine, and uh, I told them I was on Suboxone, mm -hmm. and they're like, "You can't come." What? Um, well, because of the, the receptors that Suboxone binds to, uh -huh. it basically makes um, the part of ibogaine where it resets your receptors okay. to, to pre-drug use. Uh -huh. It basically makes that part pointless. Really? Because it won't, because the Suboxone essentially blocks it from uh, wiping the receptors. So you have to be off Suboxone over a month. They even told Fuck. me they're like we hate they're like we hate to tell you this. Yeah. They're like you need yeah. to get back on short acting opiates. Jesus. That's so, fucking crazy. Like they told me to go to the doctor and try to get fentanyl or morphine. Oh my god. Um and I'm going to do that probably next week. Um I just wanted to do that for the least amount of time I could. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so now the Suboxone's off my, you know, it's, uh, I've gone two and a half, almost three weeks without Suboxone. So nice. I'm pretty much, you know, good on that. So then I essentially need to get 
a prescription for either patches or low-dose morphine so that I can travel down to Mexico and everything. That's and where then, the Ibogaine Center's at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then they'll put me on morphine as soon as I get off the plane. Wow. And then they'll keep, they'll keep me comfortable for a day. Yeah. Wow. And then they'll start detoxing me after that. And then on the third, and then on the third or fourth day is when I do the first ibogaine, the small dose ibogaine, Jesus. and then two days after that is the large dose, and then there's one more small dose, and then I'm essentially down there for ten or twelve days. After and, uh, after you do the ibogaine no, trip, no, the whole time. Oh, the whole time. Okay. They say, yeah, they say like I could travel the day after. Be they're like, but most people though. need, yeah, they're like, most people want a day or two to like recover yeah. it, to deal with everything and process everything oh, that they're going through. Take it all in. And so, like any psychedelic um, trip. Yeah. Basically. And I mean, essentially, what Ibogaine is too, where it's so different than everything else, is 90% of the time, it's not going to be positive. Oh, it is no. not good. It is not going to be a good time. You know, I wanted because to every, say, like, I fucking. Uh, was listening to I think it was Mark Hamilton, the the dude from Vice who does all the psychedelic drugs. He was on the Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was describing someone having a doing an ibogaine treatment for heroin addiction, and the, he the guy described his trip like he had uh, in his trip he fucking went through his bag or something and found that he had stashed away heroin in his bag and relapsed on heroin and during the, it, it, but it was all in his head in the trip. But so in his trip, he's like feeling all this shame and guilt, like, Oh, you're such a piece of shit. You can't even fucking, you know, do this Ibogaine treatement, like fucking with, you know, serious yeah, essentially enough. Whatever's oh, your, blew my mind. Whatever, whatever's in your mind, you've repressed bad memories, abuse, anything. It's coming up yeah. and it's going to say, I'm right here. Deal with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of intimidating so, um, for even people who don't do drugs. I'm especially. Yeah. Like, you know. And I mean, it's terrifying for me because I don't know what's down there. <laughs> You'll find out, I, though. You yeah, because for what I know, I'm not repressing a bunch of shit. You've done, you it, know, but I mean, at the very least, you've done enough psychedelics to have somewhat of a preparation. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you've never done I, ibogaine I, before, right? No. I mean, I. I idea of what's coming yeah and that's where i'm different than 80 percent of the people i am expecting what's coming have you done salvia um i've done salvia i've done lots of dmt because salvia is the one psychedelic i've done where it was like not pleasant you see know? salvia like i didn't like but i also couldn't break through Oh, fuck, I got, I only did it once and it was fucked up. See, I've tried a bunch of times. Was it like I've extract? Just, I've done the extract, I've done raw plant. Like I've tried like 10 times that I've never broken through. I heard there was a liquid salvia that you could drop like acid that lasts for hours and not just like 20 minutes like the regular leaf extract that you smoke. And that sounded like not fun at all because the one time I did salvia, I was like... I threw that shit in the trash right after, and then I was like, dude, I paid 45 bucks for that. Fuck that. I'll fucking <laughs> sell it or something. <laughs> I took it back out. And then every every other time I'd see someone on Salvia, they just did not look like they were having fun. There was only one person I knew who actually enjoyed it, and he, I mean, 
she's done a lot of fucking psychedelics. So yeah, I knew a few people back when I was on tour that like liked to do it, but we were more DMT people. Oh yeah, like I'd say DMT is just as intense, but it was impossible for me to have a bad trip on DMT. Like I yeah, could think I was only, dying on DMT and be like perfectly fine no, with it. The only mildly bad trip I ever had on DMT, and the only way I say it was bad is because the way it made me feel was I like broke through hard and I went into like this weird psychedelic blackout for like two or three hours. And uh, I was like laying on this mountainside and I was with a group of people. And then when I woke up, they're all gone. I was alone. But during it, this like female deity made her presence known to me. Whoa. And was like ta- and was like talking to me telepathically, essentially. Like words were not spoken, but I knew. And essentially, what she told me was, "I'm doing okay. I have the right idea, but everything I'm doing is the wrong way." So essentially, and I mean, it fucked with my heart. I mean, it still does. And that was fucking ten years ago. Actually, that was in two thousand and three, maybe two thousand four. And it was the most intense psychedelic experience I've ever had. Damn. And but also probably the most positive too, because it's still one of the only ones I look back on and think of, you know? Yeah. Good lord. When I was like the spirit world told me I like had the right idea, but I was going about it the wrong way. So ever since then I've been trying to figure out the right way. Like I mean, sometimes it's gonna take years to figure that out. Yeah. You know? And I mean, because you know, like I know. I mean, I'm alive, so that says something. Like, I'm you have a ch- as long as you're alive, you have a chance. You know. Well, and I, that, the reason for me, what makes me think, you know, I've been dead for 12 minutes before. Like, I've died once, and the fact I'm still here means I'm here for a reason. Yeah. And I've always thought my purpose or whatever was like, is a teacher of some sort. Mm-hmm. And for a long time. I thought that meant giving people psychedelics and like introducing them, to, you know, to that. So then I realized that was maybe part of it, but not the big picture. So lately, I've gone back to what I always wanted to do, which was write. And I've been writing a lot lately. Oh, that's awesome! Um, what have you been actually, writing? Just, um, well, I have. I started my memoir book. Fuck yeah! Um, that's awesome. And then I, I also have another book that I'm writing that's um, the basis of it is how like it goes back to my grandma's last words to me before she died was the little things are the big things. Mm-hmm. And it's like touching on like how society like, lost a big piece of our humanity, yeah. but it still exists just in the little things of the big things like we're looking for it mm-hmm. but what where it really counts is like you see an old lady fucking shovel you know like you hold the door open for someone yeah you know just just little ass things someone smile for sure and that's and that smile is what the world is about yeah it's like energy yeah so it's me trying to like make a story of all these different characters in different walks of life to where they all interact with each other without knowing each other. And each thing, each interaction meant something way bigger than the actual interaction did. Yeah. 
So I'm trying to figure out that puzzle. Well, and it's crazy too, because, you know, the kindness in others, like, I mean, to other people, it may not seem like much, but then to the individual that it's being projected on, it could mean the, like everything to them, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. And what, like, in like talking to people and like, I guess you could say active, like mild research for this is so, you know, the whole like pay it forward, you know, buy a person, buy the person behind you a cup of coffee, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So pay apparently, forward, yeah. apparently 75% of people, and this is like some blind survey, mm-hmm. 75% of people feel bad when the person in front of them buys their coffee for them. I, I, it's happened to me a few times where someone would in front of me in line would offer me to buy my See, coffee. It, it happened I, I felt me, bad it, too. You know, see it happened to me once and I it was, made my fuck day. Yeah. But the reason people it makes people feel bad is because they wonder why that person did that. Do does it look like I don't have enough money? This or that, you know? For me, and, I just I've always had this guilt trip on being a burden on on people in my life, like my parents especially, or being a burden on whoever. You know, I always no, I always and, and try see, not to ask for handouts. I am very see that's not you asking, and that's and that's where. If they, if you would have done that in 1955, mm-hmm. no one would have thought negatively about that, because everyone was more open and giving and like communal. You think so? Versus, I do think so. Versus now, people are like thinking about all these other things that could be associated with that random gesture. Plus, the dollar bill Rather isn't than, worth shit now, so it's, it's like, like your dollar bill doesn't the, stretch as far. Versus the actual gesture. When really it that doesn't makes, mean shit. Okay, I'm, I, I mean that makes and, a lot of sense. And that blew me away when I found that out. Like, um, I have noticed that, like, you know, generosity is a lot more scarce than I've yeah. noticed in in days gone by in the past. You know, but I mean, oh, I also yeah. think the economy is such shit, and people are are going. Are, a lot more people are getting just are one paycheck away from fucking homelessness, you know? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is finances and like state of the economy, but I mean, you even think about stuff that has nothing to do with money. It's a goodwill gesture that people still look at that frowned upon. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. And that's the hard part with this. I mean, I've been working on this book for three or four, three and I'm stuck because I don't know how to put this puzzle together. I know what I want it to mean, and I know how I want it to fit together, but I don't know all the pieces. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of a good situation to be in because you have a lot of material, rec- like written down so far already. So, you know, now you're in this kind of like weird standstill where you're waiting for um, some kind of answers to come to you and some of them it may take a certain life experience for that puzzle piece you know no i mean that's probably what's going to happen something's going to happen to me it's just going to click 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 click